This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you had an amazing weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And we are packed. I'd love to spend most of the show talking about the class of the Canadian Football League, the undefeated Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But as usual, there's plenty of Jets news and a little bit more drama around this offseason that will probably dominate a good portion of the program. Welcome to it. Andrew Patterson here along with Michael Remus. And... uh we will be talking Bombers. Looking forward to talk with Reem about it. We were both at the game on Friday night. Unbelievable crowd. Hot as hell. And um, the Bombers are 6-0. and Another memorable game at IG Field and another great win. We'll touch on that. Darren Bombing will join us a little bit later on in the program. And then we're going to get into the Jets offseason news, which of course surrounds the saga of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And... Um, a little bit more coming out on the weekend. Obviously, I was a little hot on Friday. I successfully, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to do it, but I successfully went through the weekend not tweeting about PLD, uh, but it was pretty much to save it for the show today because I think there's a lot to get about. And uh, certainly, I think a lot of Jet fans are feeling pretty choked right now at uh, what Dubois and, uh, in particular, his agent, Pat Brisson, are um, seemingly trying to do right now to the detriment of the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, all of that coming up. Dave Poulin will ask Pooley about it, as well as some of the other big stories around the National Hockey League. And Mike McIntyre has an extended column in the Winnipeg Free Press. He will join us in about 45 minutes or so. We'll have an extended conversation on Mike on uh, the Jets' options right now and what this means going forward for this offseason. Oh, hey, before we do anything, do want to thank all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Coolbet. Of course, Princess Auto, Canadian Club, Assiniboia Downs, Nick and Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, and of course the gang out at Aikens Lake. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. Remo, what's going on? How uh, how was your weekend? Did you stay cool? I hope. I was staying cool inside. My son had a bit of a fever, so we kind of had to scrap all our our plans and stay home but i did get outside it was a hot one especially uh friday at that bomber game Ooh, it was like the it's like the opposite of the west final uh what was that like mi- minus 30 the west final plus 30 yesterday or friday is that is that accurate a, that is a great take uh I, I you know what i didn't even think about it until right now but i was thinking a lot about the west final on friday night because that is such a legendary game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers mm-hmm. and their fans. But as far as regular season games go, that one on Friday night was right up there. An amazing crowd, just about a 30,000. People were right fired up. The tailgate before the game was hot, but it was um, it was packed. And, I mean, the game absolutely delivered with the two best teams in the Canadian Football League coming into the matchup and only one undefeated team remaining and that was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, you know, we'll, uh, you know, it was, listen, everything about Friday night was great. And um, that was good. As I tweeted out before the game, I was looking to enjoy myself. So if you see me at the game, don't talk to me. Don't ask me about Pierre-Luc Dubois because I didn't want it to ruin my evening. Uh, but of course, that has been 
basically, I mean, I'm sure many Winnipeg Jet fans uh, hopefully had a great time getting out, enjoying the weather and the weekend. But if you were talking Jets, you were talking about this, uh, what the heck is happening coming out of Montreal with Pat Brisson. Hey, by the way, just before we do that, I had an unbelievable weekend, was at the game on Friday, headed out to the lake on the weekend with the full, with uh, all of our family. My sis is in from Australia, along with my niece and nephew. So a big uh, hi to her and uh, Elise and Jake and a, very special happy birthday to the number one fan of Winnipeg Sports Talk, my mom. Uh, today is uh, her big day. We had kind of celebrations on the weekend, but definitely wanted to uh, wish her a very happy birthday on the program today. All that being said, Reem, um, you know, there was a great buzz around the city about that game on Friday night. But once we got into Friday, I got to give Murata Tesh and Narpan Basu at the Athletic a a lot of credit for a pretty in-depth read on both sides of the situation. And as I said, we'll get to this with Mike um, as well as Dave. I just can't believe that after forcing his way out of Columbus in the fashion that he did in Pierre-Luc Dubois, that this seemingly is happening again. Two years removed from unrestricted free agency, essentially... And I don't want to say this is unprecedented, but I'll ask Dave Poulin about this. If anyone can tell me the last time a player that was a restricted free agent in the National Hockey League with two years left on their deal had public comments from their agent talking about where they want to go, I'm all ears for it, but I can't remember for it, uh, remember it. And I mean, my perspective on Friday has not changed. In fact, I think it's even stronger right now that this is the Dubois camp and Brisson and probably in some ways the Montreal Canadiens trying to strong arm their way into a trade where the Winnipeg Jets don't get equal value for the piece that they're trading. And we've heard all the stories uh, which have been reported and confirmed by the folks over in Marat and Arpon's um, um, uh, article as well as we talked about it on Friday that the Dubois and his family were at the draft expecting to be traded to the Montreal Canadiens on the draft floor. And I have to say, and maybe this is petty, I don't care. Uh, if that was the case, and they thought that this was happening, and Kevin Chevaldeoff was not getting what he wanted, I love the fact that the Winnipeg Jets didn't just bow down to you know the, the, the forces that were squeezing them and make a deal that they didn't think it's in the best uh, best interest of their franchise. When this comes down to it, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets have a lot of challenges. They're a small market. They're going to be up against it when you talk about signing unrestricted free agents. Um, they're going to be up against it when you're talking about trading for players when with all the no-trade uh, clauses. But for players that they have under contract and that are their property, they cannot be dealing at a disadvantage. And it really does seem like the Dubois camp and potentially the Montreal Canadiens have sort of worked in concert to try to diminish his value trade-wise for the Winnipeg Jets and almost position it like he has to go to Montreal and that's what the Winnipeg Jets have to do. They don't have to do a damn thing right now. And uh, it is going to be fascinating to see how this goes forth for the rest of the season into potentially training camp with Dubois still a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Been, and from my perspective, what's so disappointing about this, and I think this is probably maybe a come-to-Jesus moment for the organization, and that they put so much into a number of these players that have been part of this core for a long time. 
And we were talking a lot about Mark Shifley at the end of last season. We've been talking about Blake Wheeler, the captain of the club throughout the summer, who's apparently requested a trade. I mean, you already had issues with two of the most important players on the team. And the entire goal of Kevin Sheveldayoff was to build a team with two studs at center. Who knows what we're going to get out of Mark Shifley and what his future is in Winnipeg. Maybe that's in a better situation. Hopefully it is, considering where things ended last year. You don't know what's happening with the captain, who's very difficult to trade because of the money that he's owed. But the hope was that Pierre-Luc Dubois would be sort of the leader of the, this next generation of Jet stars. That is obviously not happening right now, and it has put the Jets in a big mess right now. And um, I'll tell you what, I don't envy the position Kevin Sheveldayoff's in right now. However, I will commend him. As impatient as everybody is and everybody wants to get you know everything done right away and let's see these changes and make them happen now, uh, change for the sake of change and getting 70 cents on the dollar is not a way that's going to help the Winnipeg Jets in the long run. At some point, you have to be a tough negotiator and you have to do what's best for yourself and the hockey club. And it sounds like they're doing that right now. But where that leaves the Jets when we get to September in training camp, I have no idea. Yeah, just going by the chat here right now, people are pissed. They don't like this guy. And you have to wonder if he's going to be Full getting... Full heel turn. Full heel turn. To use a wrestling, yes, to use a wrestling terminology for you, Mark, you know, anyone who's not a Mark out there, yes, heel is the bad guy. And he's gone from being, you know, the guy, you know, you wanted to love him. He had a disappointing first season. He had a great last season. You thought this guy's future captain material. Now, yes, full heel turn. And look, I'm all for a guy, you know, saying, hey, I'm not going to sign here long term. I want to go to free agency. I want to get as much money as I can. But when the agent comes out and says, you know, Montreal's a place uh, he'd like to play and tries to strong arm a trade. Well, hey, before you get yeah. to that, Remus, let's not forget Elliot Friedman's report out of nowhere heading into the draft mm-hmm. that, uh, oh, we're hearing that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois will be going to unrestricted free agency and will not be signing a long-term extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Could absolutely be true. What was up with the timing of that? I mean, to me, that was plan that was plan A uh, or part A of this plan to put the pressure on the Winnipeg Jets to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois to the place that he wants to go. And listen, it would be one thing if he just said, hey, you know what, I want to go somewhere else. And you've got a pretty good asset that would be the envy of many teams around the National Hockey League. But when you position it the way that they have with, hey, he's going to Montreal, he wants to go to Montreal, it would be great if we could get him there now. What they're trying to do is eliminate the interest from many other teams and the value of Dubois on the market so that the team that he can get him can potentially get him for 70 cents on the dollar, which doesn't work for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and that's the thing here. It seems like, you know, all the trade reported trade offers, you know, involving Christian Dvorak and not Nick Suzuki. It seems like Montreal's just like, hey, you know, we know that he only wants to go to Montreal. We're going to offer you these pennies for your dollar and you're going to accept it. And the Jets are like, no, 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 we don't really have to do that. And Mont- I think where Montreal has is they, they're not trying to win this year. They're rebuilding. So they can say, they can say hey, you know what, we can wait you know, two years and we'll just sign him for free. However, you know, if you wait the two years, the salary caps, hopefully going up, you know, maybe Dubois established, if he plays, establish himself as a stronger player, more than what the 60 point guy that he was the last couple of years, his salary would probably go up in, a, you know, two years on a long-term deal. 
than if you signed him now. So maybe it is in Montreal's best interest if they really want him. But I think it's I think they're trying to step in right now. It seems like, hey, we're going to get him. They think they can get him for a low price. And as we've seen from Kevin Sheveldayoff, when faced with this situation in the past, Evander Kane and Jacob Truba and even even Line A, although maybe you can argue that the two-player, two-for-one deal was maybe a slight overpay, but he's not going to trade it for... He's not going to do a, a giveaway dump deal on Pierre-Luc Dubois. So look, they'll hold and wait and see. Maybe they can squeeze something else out of Montreal. Or you wait and you trade him, you know, at the deadline. But it's... You know, Mike McIntyre's coming later. His column is, is the Dubois era coming to an end? I mean, this guy, as far as, yeah, villains on the Winnipeg Jets for the home fans, I mean, skyrocketed to the power rankings. Then, I mean, if you had a PLD The fact that we have power rankings about that right now (laughs) is so, I mean, who are the fans most pissed off? Let's start the list with, I mean, what is going on? like you thought that we'd get past last season and maybe we'd be in a different situation right now with some of those guys. The fact that he's thrown his hat into the ring for a player that now, and Hey, maybe it's taking heat off some other guys. I mean, if they're back, I guess we'll see the bottom line is this is, uh, it, it, it is. I mean, I feel for fans. I one of them, um, you know, you want to see what is best for the team going forward. And you realize I mean, there is a lot of a lot of talent, and I mean, I've always been on the on the side that hey, if you have Connor Hellebuck and and well, and if it is Mark Shifley or it's Pierre Luc Dubois, or you get assets for those players along with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers and the defense core right now, you know, this team should be competitive. But if now we're at a situation where your top players are looking to get out, trying to force their way out, your captain's asked to be traded, you have no idea what you're going to get from the guy that was supposed to be the franchise player. And you've got a, t- a clock ticking on your most important player, Connor Hellebuck in net. Um, I think there's a lot of fans that were in a situation where they thought that last year might have been a bit of an aberration with the proper changes to the locker room and the roster that this team could compete this year. But if we're talking about a club that is working on moving the captain, has Pierre-Luc Dubois right now, that, by the way, you traded Patrick Laine for with one foot out the door ASAP and trying to force a trade right now, NBA style, to one team. Um, at what point do you look and say, you know what, maybe we do have to make a major change in direction sooner than we'd thought about it and what that does going forward? All I can think about, though, Reem, right now is, I mean, hey, listen, we're, it's, this is going to be good for us here because when we see how many people are with us live on YouTube right now. By the way, great to see so many folks. If you're new, hit that red subscribe button. Winnipeg Sports Talk is live every day at 1 o'clock, live on YouTube. And if you get it in podcast, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get yours, and it's usually in your feed and time for your drive home in and around 3.30. But, I mean, what is it going to be like when training camp comes? I mean, I... Listen, the Jets are not trading this guy if they don't get full value for them, which means that he's going to have to suck it up and come back here. And I'll tell you what, if he does want to sign somewhere with a great contract as a free agent, it's in his best interest to play hard, to be a good teammate, and not do what he did in Columbus, which was essentially quit on his team and suck his way out of town and ended up in Winnipeg. So I'm... Listen, from afar... It's absolutely fascinating what's happened with this team and the situation that they're in. But for people that are emotionally invested in the Winnipeg Jets, it is a uh, 
it, it it's been depressing over the last little while. And man, uh, you know, shout out to everyone that didn't ask me about PLD at the game on Friday night. Obviously, I had some conversation with people over it, and they're sort of sick about this because it already seemed like things had taken a wrong direction under maybe some of the leaders of this club. Uh, there was a real hope that this would be a guy that would fill that void. It doesn't sound like that's the case. And where that leaves the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, uh, I guess only time will tell. I think after the Dubois trade, it took a while for the fan base to warm up to him. I mean, he was the guy that they traded line eight for. And I think you took a while and then you warmed up to him. And you did remember the last shift in Columbus. We've all seen the video many times, uh, you know, zero effort, skating around. And to, you know, come here and pull that again for a guy I mean, whose career-high points in a season, Huss, over 82 games, is 61 and 82. And he had 60 and 81 last year. Um, you know, I know he's a you know, former third overall pick. He's a center. I don't I, I mean, it, look, again, if you want to, don't want to sign long-term, that's fine. But for the agent to go on TV and try to strong-arm a trade to one team, Montreal, diminishing his trade value, to any other team, it's kind of kind of gross, and it's something you don't really see e- ever. Like, no, ever you, it, exactly. It listen, it not in the NHL. It's pretty clear rules how free agency works, and how the rights of teams when it comes to players, they'll have the opportunity to get to arbitration. They'll get paid what they're worth, which which basically brings to this. And again, we'll talk to Dave and Mike about this in a minute, Reem. Um. But Dubois did not elect to file for arbitration. So that does give more time for a trade to potentially be made. Um, and I did believe, and shout out to Avco Cup, he did mention that, you know, the team, there is a clause in the in the uh, CBA where the team can extend the date of the, qual- that the, that the qualifying offer can be accepted until, I believe it's the 22nd of July right now. Um, they set a hard date. It can't be renegotiated, but if they said, hey, we're going to leave this qualifying offer on the table until the end of August, for instance, they could do that. But part of me thinks that it might be in the Jets' best interest to do exactly what Dubois didn't do, and that would be the team filing for arbitration. So what? Yeah, you go to arbitration, you're going to have to suck it up and you know say why you think you deserve. You may hear some tough things. Um but a big part of it from the other side is, you know, how committed is this guy to Winnipeg? Um, or is he already has, well, you know, one foot out the door? I mean, uh, the focus and the spotlight on Dubois, wherever he goes, if he's here in Winnipeg or elsewhere next year, is going to be massive. Um, and it's entirely their own doing. I can't believe I'm saying this, and somebody mentioned this in the chat last week. But for all the talk about some of the players over the years that have wanted to leave Winnipeg, this has been by far the most public and dare I say in some ways sort of greasy um, Wait, I mean, we all had the laugh about Kurt Overhart's, you know, um, press con or press release of a Jacob Truba wanting to play on the right side and Evander Kane, who said that he asked for a trade every year in Winnipeg. It never got anything like this. It never got public like this. They certainly weren't trying to strong arm a deal to one particular trade. Hard to believe that with the history the Jets have had with a few, you know, somewhat problematic um, players when it came to try to leave, that this is now far and away eclipsing those. And we haven't even got to the second year of the potential standoff between these teams before free agency. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this is going to go. Mike had a good call about it, and he said, you know, because they elected not to go to arbitration, this could be indefinite drama, which I tweeted uh, out. I'm I'm here for indefinite drama. So, but uh, the you know power rankings, I agree of how the trade request is handled. I mean, Evander Kane, the silent trade request, I think he handled it the best. Jacob Truba, I mean, they had the press release saying it was his dream <laughs> to be a top pair right side defense, and at the time they had Tyler Myers and Bufflin, and you kind of got that. Um, this you're this is kind of I don't know, it's kind of confusing. And one thing that also throws a wrench into the whole plan. I mean, what do you think it's like? at the office where Pierre-Luc Dubois' dad, Eric Dubois, is the assistant coach of the Moose. Like, what's it like for him coming into work today? Do you think, like, the guys around the office are like, you know, Eric, your son is really, he's got her, got her balls in a vice here. Like, what's going really, on there? Dude? Were, yeah. you, were you part of the big family gathering at yeah. the uh, at the Bell Center, waiting for him to get traded on draft day? Are they showing? <laughs> yeah, are they showing? Hey, um, Eric, it says in this report here on the Athletic with Murad and. Uh, Arpin Basu, that Dubois was in Montreal with his family at the draft. Were you there and you didn't come say they hide us? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't know if he was there or not, but it's just, it just it's adds awkward. Su- it just adds such another wrinkle into this story that you think Dubois is going to fit in great here in Winnipeg. Is, you know, going to have home cooking. He's with his dad. He works with the moose. Everything's going to be so great. And we're going to have, you know, the sky being our center for so long. And, uh no, yeah it it doesn't look like and hey, you know I mean I, by the way Maul good to see you and I'm with you uh with what you said in the uh, in the chat um I thought it was a mistake the second they traded Patrick Line I think they traded the wrong guy at the time and listen they made their decisions based on what they had in front of them um they figured that that was the best way to move forward they got a talented young player at the center position which they had wanted. And I think that they thought that there maybe were some, you know, intangibles that would help them sign him long term. Maybe that's not the case. Uh, maybe that doesn't work out. What they a guarantee they didn't think that they were getting in for was this sort of BS from Pat Brisson, um, completely overstepping the boundaries of an agent, in my opinion, uh, you know, for a restricted free agent. And um, as I said, this is a mess right now for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think this, in a lot of ways, is going to be defining in some ways. Uh, and I think we could go back to some other situations with the way that the Jets have handled things. I mean, we just talked about those two players, Evander Kane and Jacob Truba. And Evander Kane, the trade was really forced by something that happened internally. Um, I think everyone would agree that, you know, as far as the deal went, they made out... Very, very well. I think it ended up costing Tim Murray his job, but they gave up to get Evander Kane and how that worked out in Buffalo. And as far as Jacob Truba, it was, in some ways, this is a little similar because if you recall, at that summer, Truba had basically said that the only place that they're going and they'd sign an extension to was the New York Rangers. So with one year left on that deal, that really did sort of tie Sheveldayoff's hands when it came to trading an asset in a player like Jacob Truba. Um, they ended up doing quite well. I mean, Neil Pionk and uh, the pick that got Billy Hainala, I think for the one year of service of Jacob Truba, considering the situation, it worked out quite well. 
But man, you don't want to be trading in those positions over and over. And we're two years away, and it seems like the Brisson move has basically tried to emulate exactly what happened. Um, and, you know, enforce the Jets doing something that they don't want to do. And I'm here to tell you right now, and I'm looking forward to asking Dave about this. I don't think the Jets are going to do that. And that could make for more drama around the team and a very awkward September. Just imagine, Reem, if they bring this group back as is. They don't trade Dubois. They have a tough time moving Wheeler. Shifley's back. Can you imagine the media uh, um, avails the first day of training camp? I mean... Shifley might be number three on the list right now after what he had to say at the end of the season. <laughs> then you've got the captain. Now you've got Dubois. And listen, if I'm a guy like Nikolai Ehlers or I'm a guy like Kyle Connor, who's signed long-term, who had great seasons last year, who are doing everything they can to help the team win, I'm looking around and going, what the hell is going on with some of these guys? And I think the sooner they can make some of these moves, the better. And maybe they're significant Maybe it is a bit of a shorter step back right now, and it helps them win a little bit more in the future. But the one thing I think, you know, from a or for just from an organizational standpoint, from a city, from a fan base standpoint, I mean, there was enough stink around the team last year, and the only things that have happened so far is we've lost the nicest guy in the NHL in Eric Comrie, and the conscience of the team that said everything that needed to be said, Paul Stastny, albeit he still is a free agent right now. And, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is trying to storm, strong arm his way to, uh, <laughs> way to Montreal. I mean, uh, let's just say, oh, and Barry Trotz didn't sign, but we do yeah. have Rick bonus. I, I feel for Rick too. I was joking last week. that This guy's going to need to be a miracle worker to come in and kind of work with everything. That was before all this PLD stuff happened. I mean, uh, it's a good thing that he's uh, as experienced as he is and such a positive person because uh, woe is he going to be tested if he comes into this room right now with these situations, if they aren't settled um, by the time we get to camp. Yeah, it's been a pretty um, you know just negative news story after negative news story since the season ended. Uh, I, people are getting on on me for bringing up you know his dad, Eric Dubois. Look, I don't. it probably has nothing to do with the son's career, but I do think it is funny how his dad works for the Moose. And we can joke about it. I'll leave and it at everyone. Everyone certainly brought it up when he got yeah. traded here. Oh, this is great. I knew he was disgruntled there, but hey, his dad's in the organization, works for the Moose. Like, we all love that. We all love that when he got traded here. I'm sorry. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Now that this is happening, yeah. it is going to be incredibly awkward for, for that entire situation right now. I, I, well, you can ask Mike this at um, when he comes on. But when, you know, training camp begins and it's day one, I mean, who's... Who's getting the biggest scrum and who's getting the first and who are you asking for first? <laughs> like it's this is just and like I'm starting to think, you know, you got everyone on the team with like two years left and there's a lot going on, you know, reportedly about everyone not really getting along. I mean, so the Jets have done what the Blackhawks did this offseason and just went for went for a full reset here because it seems like no one wants to be here and you know, they can the way the team is constructed is not a Stanley Cup winning team. The Jets are too good, at least on paper, to on go paper. that route. To go yes. that route. I mean, there's just too many good players. But um, well, Mike I'll say this. Back. If you got rid of Connor Hellebuck mm -hmm. and a guy like Dubois for futures, um, and regardless of kind of we'll see what happens with Shifley and Wheeler, 
I mean, you could take a step back, maybe close enough to at least be in the lottery. But man, when you look at where Arizona is and Chicago is and how bad these teams are going to be, I mean, there's absolutely no guarantee you'll even be like in a top five or top six situation in the draft. Um, and of course, it's all about Connor Bedard. There's some other good players right now. But I mean, to me, after what's happened this past year, I mean, we wanted to have some positive momentum going forward and getting the most out of these deals and these contracts. Um, but for me, when it comes down to it, and I, you know, it's funny, I had this conversation on the weekend. The Jets, when the team came here from Atlanta, worked so hard and I think did an amazing job, to be honest with you, of making sure that the players had everything they could possibly have that they were so, um, you know, hey, I know you're moving from Atlanta to Winnipeg. It's a smaller market, the weather and all that. But listen, we're going to do everything we can to make you guys happy as Winnipeg Jets. To the point of, I think, almost, I don't know, coddling might be a, might be a, a strong word. But it's almost as if, like, you know, we had to apologize for being Winnipeg. Hey, thank you so much for, for being here. I know there's a lot of other better places than that. You know what? That time is done for me. If guys don't want to be here, I think you need to figure that out and get them out because um, you're never going to create the culture that will attract people and want to keep them here if you're here and you're paid well but half the team has one foot out the door and is talking about how much it sucks to be here. And I'm not saying that that's one person or one person in particular. I just do know that that, that culture of people, hey, you're in the National Hockey League. This is National Hockey League team. Players are treated well. If you don't want to be here, well, there's other teams you can you can go. And maybe that's what's happening right now with Dubois, but at the same time, it's also a business, and you might want to... Sh- Brush up on the CBA because you can't just walk out and choose where where you want to go whenever the heck you want. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. You know, does a qualifying offer get extended? Are they going? Does the team elect to go to arbitration, or are we going to be sitting here, you know, as they argue about a contract and this drags into training camp or you have a trade? A lot of different ways to go, but um, the chat. Absolutely, has I haven't seen it this on fire in a in a long time. I think people are really upset, and it's kind of funny how you know a couple of years ago it was you know the Bombers bit of a mess, you know couldn't win, couldn't get a quarterback, um, and now it seems to have topsy turvied where the Bombers you know can do no wrong. They win all these games where they're clearly not playing their best, and the team will tell you that, and the Jets. It's just thing after thing when you know when they come in, they see, they couldn't you know couldn't do anything wrong. As Tim Stapleton said, he said we people loved us. It didn't matter. We, people were just happy to have a team, and we're we're long long past that. And I think just the fact that it was the you traded Line A for Pierre Luc Dubois, and now he clearly doesn't want to be here. It's I think it's a disappointing and sad situation, compound with everything else that we've seen uh, over the last couple of months. Yeah, you know what? Always the sun, just on what I was saying. Winnipeg has a self-inflicted inferiority complex. And I, I actually believe that. Um, and, and in some ways, we have to move past that. Um, yeah, guess what? It's cold. You know what? It's not the biggest city. we got a passionate fan base that loves this team and has been there for them. And you know what? In some ways, it's sort of, been, I think, taken for granted by, and I'm not talking about the organization, but by a lot of those guys that have been in the locker room. And I I, I just, I would be 
like I'm buying my season tickets for next year and I will continue to do so. I would far rather support a team with a bunch of younger players that still have a long way to go and our chances of being a playoff team or a cup team is far, far smaller than maybe it is on paper right now with guys that are committed here, committed to this team, committed to the community, and committed to creating a culture that can grow into a real positive place. Because it hasn't seemed very positive, and I'm sure maybe that is somewhat part, uh, that could be part of you know, what has led to, to this two years early for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But the bottom line is um, you need to root that out and you need to you need to change and go in a different direction. And that is one thing that I have optimism about is Rick Bonus in the type of person he is, the experience that he's had. But the coach can only do so much. And there is a lot of work on the, on the general manager's uh, table, whether it is moving players out, uh, and if you're doing that, you know, making sure you're, I mean, this is the other thing. We all want to see some of these changes made, but we also don't want to get the team to get bent over and, uh, and good for Chevy. If he told Montreal to stuff it, if, um, they were trying to get him, uh, you know, give him three quarters for a loony, uh, at the draft and think that everything would uh, move on. I'm looking forward to our conversation with Mike, uh, and certainly looking forward to Dave Poulin, who's going to join us in just a second. Hey, before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Uh, you've seen their fences and trucks all over their city. And if you're out on the lake this weekend, you probably saw some pretty nice boathouse doors. Um, chances are they did those as well. Uh, Wallace and Wallace really has everything you need. If you're thinking about an improvement in the, your boathouse, steel, aluminum doors, polycarbonate or glass panels and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. Uh, and if you think that your boathouse door could use some TLC now that the water's receding, you can give them a call to arrange a service visit at 204-452-2700. Hit them up at wallacedoors.com or check out their showroom on Lawson Road. And of course, wallacefences.com for all their fencing, uh, fencing options, which, uh, Put it this way, if you see a fence in town, it is Wallace. Um, big shout out to our friends at F Apparel. I got my suit uh, all taken care of. By the way, you have the opportunity to uh, get a digital image on the inside of the suit as well. I've done that. I'll wait. I'll debut it on the show once I finally, uh, once it comes in. Uh, but thanks to Andrew Parks and uh, the gang down at F Apparel. What a great spot at 190 Smith Street. Um, if you do have formal requirements going into the fall and winter um get on down there it's incredible options i mean so many different styles suits fabrics and more get it to you at the best prices with custom suits starting at 400 dollars. and hey if you got a wedding plan for this year or next year talk to them about a 15 percent discount for your entire wedding party when you buy your suits from f apparel check them out online as well it's f-e-p-h apparel.com uh, oh, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are dominating the summer with great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And of course, with barbecue season here, they've got amazing, delicious lean bison steaks or chicken for maybe a little healthier option for the grill. But they've also got hot dogs, burgers, and great non-alcoholic drink options like sober carpenter beer and clever mocktails. Everything you need on a great summer day. And of course, they've also got great delicious lunch options. Grab and go Vitamarket salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. Check them out at one of four, or sorry, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. 
And you can also shop online and check out their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. The countdown is on to get out there in August. Just saw gorgeous fish coming out on the weekend. Give them a follow on Twitter at Aikens Lake to see uh, everything coming out there, as well as Big Molly's in the incredible spot there, run by our good friend, the Terrens. If you do have thoughts on uh, maybe a one-of-a-kind fishing trip right here in our own little piece of paradise in Manitoba, hit them online at AikensLake.com. Might be a small amount of availability next year, but already booking for next year, whether it be for family retreats or corporate outings as well. All right, Mike McIntyre is coming up with us in a few minutes, uh, but before we get to Mike, looking forward to uh, getting Dave Poulin's thoughts on PLD the Winnipeg Jets, and everything happening post-free agency in the National Hockey League. Pooley, <laughs> what's going on? How are you? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm just, I spent the morning uh, kind of putting the finishing touches on, I do a book three times a year that encompasses each, on two pages, it has your whole organization. So going through it, you can look in one fell swoop, you open to whatever team, you know, Colorado, Columbus, whatever, and the whole organization is laid out on two pages with the last couple of drafts, contract status, all those things. So when I was putting the finishing touches on this morning's book, it, you know, Winnipeg is one of the teams that stands out for how quiet things were last week in free agency. And there's a, there's a lot of big decisions to be made, but a lot of them essentially revolve around re-signing Pierre-Luc Dubois and the ability to do that and what that might look like and how this organization moves forward because the defense has settled in a little bit. You know, you've got six NHL defensemen, then you've got Sandberg and Hinola pushing to get in. So there's your eight. Um, you know, you got some forward things done. Um, Harkins resigned. That's a good thing. Appleton is going, you know, I mean, you file for arbitration. All that does is extend the negotiating period, right? And it just buys time for both the organization and the players management team to you know get a deal done and i would assume that gets done so things are falling into place and but then you have the dubois contract looming and and that's the piece of business that has to be taken care of well i mean the irony of this whole thing is that you know coming into the off season we were focused in on does mark shifley want to be here is he part of the future or is he going to be gone We've heard from all sorts of sources that Blake Wheeler wanted to be traded and the team was hoping to move him. And those are your two cornerstones. It was quiet in a lot of other places. And however, it's not been quiet in Montreal over the past week when Pat Brisson's been peacocking to the Quebec media about how much Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to come and play for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Dave, we don't see this happen very often. I think we can safely say it's quite rare right now with the CBA. Um, you know, we've been comparing it to, you know, the the Lindros situation way back. I mean, it's unique, and this has complicated things for Kevin Sheveldayoff. I mean, I guess, Dave, looking at this, what already was hot-button issues that hadn't been solved, and you add in this Dubois contract right now and uh, where they're at in the future that obviously doesn't look like it's going to be long-term in Winnipeg, um, how does Kevin Sheveldayoff move forward in the short term before training camp in your position? Well, you're correct in what looked like it was going to be an issue. And a lot of that was calmed down when Rick Bonus signed on as the head coach. So, you know, ostensibly that could be conversations that he had with both Shifley and Wheeler and that said, hey, here's what I see. And sometimes fresh eyes looking at a situation from the other bench, if you will, in the same 
division, if you will, and say, okay, here's what I see. You know, what might have happened that changed what I saw in a Winnipeg team in the last couple of years and the way everything went. And it had appeared to calm down. And even there was a, a direct quote from Pat Brisson that said, you know, the only reason he's able to say what he has said about his client is because he's not under contract right now. Well, that's a fine line. He's a restricted free agent. And and that is a fine line. When was and, the last time you heard anything like that in the National Hockey League? I can't remember a public comment like that in this situation. I cannot remember a public comment like that from an agent. I just can't. And and I think it's once he said it, he felt like he had to qualify it to protect it, which is interesting. Um, you know, on, on the fact that there wasn't a signed contract per se. But um, you know, this will this will play out in the next little while. It has to play out in one manner or another. Uh, not filing for an arbitration gives it a little bit back um, to the player. The back and forth on that part of it, guys. And, you know, each year we would have, uh, you know, sometimes a player or two file for arbitration. And, and all it does is set up a longer negotiating period. And, and the closest we came, I, I believe we got right to the steps at one point and then signed a new deal with a player. Um, it's a tremendous amount of work for the organization. Uh, arguably, Larry would be involved in that and doing the, you know, doing the briefs and the comps and all the work that goes into it, and then walking up the steps of arbitration and you know not having someone really file and getting a deal done. But it's part of the process. And but there are some technicalities now in terms of a two-year or one-year deal and two years till unrestricted free agency. So, you know, a lot of GMs once they come out of free agency a couple of days out just relax and that's not going to be the case for Kevin Sheveldayoff in Winnipeg and and you know it's been interesting to watch around the league because there's been some really good work done in the last couple of days and I'm going to point to one team in Pittsburgh that not only did they get their guys signed Andrew but they've made two significant trades since that point and you know just as things relax They've changed half their defense. I mean, they kept Latang, um, but they brought in Jeff Petrie, and they brought in Young Ty Smith as well. And and so you've made some moves to improve your hockey club, and but you've made trades. The last two were just hockey trades with New Jersey and with Montreal, um, which is interesting because a lot of times after free agency, so much focus is on free agents. I still think there are deals to be made out there because there are still cap ramifications and I still think that Kevin Shevoldap would have options to make trades because he's got some young assets that people covet. Dave, if you're sitting in Chevy's spot right now, knowing what is happening on the Dubois side with Dubois Brisson and the Montreal Canadiens trying to work this deal, presumably from what we've heard for sorta, you know, fifty cents on the dollar because they have all the negotiating power. Um do they do the Jets consider opting for arbitration themselves? And long term, how important is Kevin for, is uh, is it for the Shevel Dayoff and for the Jets organization not to seemingly be pushed around by these guys and this situation and to hold out for full value? And how dangerous might that be if they don't get something done with this guy coming back into the dressing room, considering what's happened this summer? Well, they won't be pushed around and bullied. Um, they won't be. I mean, they simply won't. And they are in control as much as the player may think he's in control or. Someone else thinks in control. And Montreal has been very, very careful about, you know, saying anything. I mean, they really have. I mean, they're, 
you know, um, Kit Hughes is an agent. He's very, very careful. They have never uttered the name. Um, they've talked about a big centerman, which they just got one from Chicago and Kirby Doc. But I think it's important all the way around. And, you know, this is a player who showed a lot of excitement coming from Columbus to Winnipeg. And it took him some while. And then, quite frankly, the team was quite patient with him during his first year. And then, you know, he came around and, and played a more significant role. And, you know, the rules are the rules. I mean, they fully control the player for two more years. And, and I think it is important in a locker room that has had some challenges. And that was part of bringing Rick Bonus in in unifying that group. And, you know, and I said that we haven't heard much about that since that point, um, that you may bring the, the coach in and get him involved in this conversation as well, Andrew. You, you, you very well might because that's been a strength of Rick Bonus teams. Well, I, I'll say this. I mean, uh, Rick's going to have plenty of opportunity to show how uh, much of a bridge builder he is, I think, coming mm-hmm. forward if many of these players are back in. I mean, um, and I do wonder from an organizational standpoint, I mean, the message to the fan base, it was pretty clear at the end of last season, everyone, including I think people within the organization thought that we'd be seeing some significant change from the team that disappointed last year that, as you mentioned, had some internal problems, to say the least. Um, one of the but things it is that's... still mid-July, you know, and that's what we can't forget. It is still oh, mid-July sure. and as yeah. much as we want business to be done. Um, there's a lot of business left to do, and and people do take a deep breath at this time. And you know, when I first came into the business was when Bob Clark, a year after I started, Bob Clark retired and became a general manager. And at that point, it was pretty well documented that there was a good month plus in the summer when GMs simply didn't call each other. I mean, they flat out didn't. And you know, the old guard, they just didn't. I mean, if it were, you know. It was almost like they had written in each other's contracts, uh, you know, lose this number for a month or six weeks or whatever it is. But you weren't dealing with free agency as it is. You weren't dealing with all the components that we have in today's game, the salary cap being one of them. But, you know, as players signed long-term deals, Andrew, and they all got into the long eight-year deals, and, and it made sense for both sides to relook at the way that was going. Because how many eight-year deals were signed that, arguably both the team and the player were dissatisfied with in the last, you know, two or three or four years. And so I thought Hmm. there'd be a time when the players took control back to manage their situations and stayed away from those deals. And I think the first significant one was Austin Matthews. So he signed a five-year deal, which puts him at the absolute youngest age at unrestricted free agency. So after his entry-level deal, he signed the five-year deal. And then, you know, he's a late birthday, and that, that, that flipped it in his favor. Whereas Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl signed eight-year deals. Now, two superstar players, and Edmonton's thrilled they did. But the, the three, three two, two situation, so the three years being the entry-level deal, the two years being the bridge deal that Dubois signed, and now he's two years away from free agency. So you haven't walked him to free agency, but you know, you've put him in a position where essentially the player's betting on himself. That's what happens there. And, and I thought more players with the confidence of this young group would be doing this type of thing, signing bridge deals rather than going long-term. And there's so many questions right now, like where's this cap going and when is it going? Because it's been flat. So it's not as simple as, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois being two years away from unrestricted free agency. There's all kinds of questions about how much money is coming back into the system, you know, what other options are going to be and where other key players are in their contract length right now. So a lot of moving parts here, Andrew. Well, I think it's important for uh, the Dubois folks to remember that it is, in fact, two years until he's an unrestricted free agent. It's not just a matter of picking where you want to go right now and have everyone just You don't get to fall. do that. No, it, exactly. You don't, you don't. and it Those sounds like that's what's uh, what's trying to happen. As far as uh, – explain to us why they would have not selected arbitration, and do you think the Jets might have te- a team option and elect to do that? Yeah, that's a complicated one to get into. Um, it just is, but it puts it back in his court a little bit because um, you know it, the one-year, two-year option of of selecting how long that arbitration is for is essentially what what the situation is, and he doesn't get to enter that final year potentially as being you know get the end of the final year as being an unrestricted free agent. So, you know the. <laughs> The cap, the cap guys grind away on these issues and about ebb and flow of who's in control, who's not in control. The Winnipeg Jets are in control right now. I mean, that's the bottom line. And as much as you might swing a little bit in your favor by something you do or don't do, um, the Jets are in control. Well, and, and I mean, this goes back to, um, you know, obviously the Dubois camp um, leaking out to, to Elliot Friedman just days go, uh, before going into the draft where there was so much talk about potential moves that were not involving Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of floating that out. By the way, he's going to be testing unrestricted free agency. So it seems like this has been kind of calculated for a, m- more than just the last couple days or what we've heard coming out from the draft. And uh, it, it certainly compounds the challenges for Kevin Dayoff right now. Um, in some ways, the Calgary Flames are in a different situation, but they mm-hmm. got burned um, by what happened with Johnny Gaudreau. Let, let me first off, Dave, tell us about, you were live on the air with Gino and the panel and this broke. I mean, what was the reaction? What did you think about the move for Johnny? And how much is that hard lesson that Calgary's learning right now resonating in a spot like Winnipeg with all of these players with two years left under team control? Well, first off, I think Brad Treleving and his group did everything in their power to sign Johnny Gaudreau. Um, $10.5 million documented times eight years and $84 million. And so, you know, we, we went through, you're on air from 11 a.m. till 6 p.m. And when you're on that front panel, Andrew, there's no place to go. You can't hide because every time the camera comes back to the room, you're supposed to be there. Right? Now, guys do find a way to sneak away and, you know, grab a bite to eat or whatever. But but essentially, so you're kind of on for, for seven hours and then Gino shows an hour later. So, you know, I walked over to the other studio. Pierre Lebrun was involved on Gino's show and we set up the show and I think there were six or seven components to the show in the half hours. We're, we're at 7.01. The show has just started and the three of us are on camera and, and Pierre's phone rings and he says, I have to take this. Well, no one does that. Right? <laughs> and so Gino mm-hmm. being the pro he is and great, you know, and then the, the director, Jamie and, and Dan, our producer immediately switched the camera to just Gino and I, and Pierre goes to work and I've got him in the corner of my eye and I can see by his expression that I'm guessing that it's either Cadre or Gaudreau. And sure enough, it was Johnny Gaudreau. And then, so we go back to the full three shot and now it's maybe 703, 704, somewhere in that range. And you know, and I have filled to that point about conjecture and I, uh, Pierre Lebrun says, Johnny Gaudreau is signed with Columbus. And I remember my first reaction was, wow, wow. Like, where did that come out of? Because I had done a segment earlier called Who's in the Weeds? Like, 
what team is sitting back there today having done nothing that's going to shock the world, right? And some years it's nobody, but it's a good segment because you get to name five or six teams that you haven't talked about all day, right? And you'd like to include everybody during the course of the day. But there was, you know, Boston was in that conversation. Winnipeg was in that conversation. Columbus clearly in that conversation. They had just signed Gabranson. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, the news is there and we end up doing the whole show on Johnny Gaudreau, but just shattering for Calgary in that they did put their best foot forward and it wasn't good enough. But I will say on a personal note, I was a free agent once. You had to be, you know, you had to be in excess of 31 years old, which I was, I was 34. I was, I was, you know, potentially leaving Boston. And we simply made a list of cities we would go to. And there were six cities on the list for a variety of reasons. And it wasn't an affront to anyone else. It was simply what best fit my family. And Johnny Gaudreau, you know, did the same thing. And essentially, the interesting part for me, Andrew, is something changed, I believe, between the 12th and the 13th in terms of who had available funds or thought they could clear funds to sign Johnny Gaudreau. And, you know, all conjecture was about while his home address is listed as New Jersey, it's actually South Jersey, which is closer to Philadelphia. Mm. And, you know, and Philadelphia didn't get in the, in the game. The Islanders did or didn't, depending on who you listen to, but you'd never, you know, you'd never find that out. And then it came down to Jersey. And so, you know, could it have been, you know, by Yarmo Kikalainen, who had lots of cap space and, and arguably lots of interest, that's where you place a call that you don't think is going to come to fruition at some point, maybe a month before. Might have been a month before that, that Columbus said to Johnny Gaudreau's agent, hey, depending on how things play out here, yeah, there might be a player we have an interest in. Maybe. Maybe that's what happened. And it was a seed that, you know, and that's where your your agent is, a, you know, he's on full go. And, and all of a sudden, Johnny Gaudreau was going to Columbus. And for a team that's had its amount of hardship, you know, to be able to get a player of that stature, I thought that was interesting. From Calgary's standpoint, they're now sitting with lots of cash and, you know, there's still deals to be made. They've still got to sign their RFA, Matthew Kachuk. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. We're just looking at the free agent aspect for Calgary, but Ozan Kadri's still out there. And the longer that goes, I have my theories on that, which I can get into. But, um, but you know, there, there could potentially be trades for Calgary available because of their cap space. Uh, and, and just bringing it back to Winnipeg, Dave, I mean, this has got to be a very cautionary tale for teams in some smaller Canadian markets that, you know, there is a huge risk in going right to the end. And listen, I don't think anyone's going to take away and the Flames themselves. I mean, they had a brilliant season. Johnny had an MVP-like performance, and, you know, they were a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, and that's why you play the games. However, um, to lose him for nothing in the fashion that they did after doing everything that they were asked to do, you realize sometimes um, maybe you do need to act much earlier. And I'd imagine they'll do exactly that with Matthew Kachuk. They can't have this repeat itself. Let's look at Kadro, though, Andrew. I mean, in fairness to Calgary, how are they going to act earlier? We've been in a pandemic for two-plus years. No one knew where the cap was going. And and maybe they tried, and arguably they did, and the player just said, no, I'm going to play it out. And in my free agent year – once I got to Christmas, Mike Milbury was assistant GM. He came to me and said, hey, we'd really like to do a deal. And I said, Mike, in all fairness, I'm at this point. I've, I've assumed the risk to this point. I'm going to play it out. 
And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything against Boston. It was just that I was going to play it out and see what the market held. And the money was starting to go up in the league. And, and so there are so many factors that go into this. And Calgary may have tried, but in the last two to three years, so hard to know with all the different things going on, you know, what the team is going to look like. What was it going to look like under Brian, under Daryl Sutter, rather? Because this is new, and they seemingly had the perfect coach at the perfect time for the perfect team. I mean, I picked Calgary to go through to the finals. I picked them to beat Colorado and go through to the finals. That's what I thought of them. So, you know, it's not always, you know, a team can sometimes do everything within their power, but it's nothing that they didn't do that led to this. Um, Dave, you mentioned Nazem Kadri. Um, why is he still unsigned? And uh, is it just a matter of the offers that he thought was going to be there aren't there right now? And uh, how do you see that changing? You may as well throw John Klingberg in there as well. Right. We'll start with Nazem. It's our understanding that he did have a substantial offer and that from their standpoint, from his camp standpoint, that it wasn't a fit for what he was looking for. And we don't have a hard list on what that is. Um, does it change now that he's won a Stanley Cup? We don't know that. And the longer this goes, Andrew, the more I think he goes back to Colorado. And the chip they have, you might look at their cap situation and say, how does that work? The chip that they have is the rise of Bowen Byram and that they have a $5 million defenseman in Samuel Girard that gives them some great flexibility now. So Girard was going to be their puck-moving guy and, you know, in in deal a few years ago that landed in the fourth round pick they get Bowen Byram he has health issues he emerges at a perfect time in the playoffs I think his minutes went up six minutes a game after the Gerard injury and not only that he was a force I mean he was a really good looking young prospect because they need a good young defenseman on that club because I'm not sure you know the McCarr kid who knows how that's going to play out um, <laughs> he's pretty good <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. But, you know, that may give them some flexibility to free up uh, a Gerard's contract is multi-year at $5 million a year. So that could be a potential, and that could be what we're waiting for right now, um, as well as other teams, you know, could have told the Cadre camp that, you know, it may take them a couple of weeks, but they could. Now it's a waiting game for him, and he's that confident that he can wait. You know, he's already got his sneakers and his and his jeans. And once you've got one pair of sneakers and one pair of jeans, you you know, you've made enough money that you, you can only wear one pair at a time, Andrew. You know that. And uh, so he it's not a kid who hasn't earned money. So he's in the luxury of feeling that he can wait for the perfect situation. But it might be back in Colorado. Uh, and uh, do you think Klingberg goes back to Dallas? Or, I mean, is there just not the... the I mean, yeah. That, frankly, Dave, that I was not surprised. not sure about just because there wasn't a, a lot of real elite high-end defensemen on the market. And I thought that was going to play into Klingberg's hands. But um, in some ways, obviously, teams have uh, have held off putting uh, breaking the bank as of yet. And that could be more of the uh, Cadre-type situation where there's still teams trying to free up potential money, waiting till the ARBs get filed, waiting till, you know, their own free agent situations get cleaned up. And, you know, and, and two of the teams that, probably changed the market as much as anyone were two teams in Colorado. Well, actually three teams. Let me, three teams that changed the market potentially were um, Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. And I say that in the way they retained their own RFAs and UFAs. So they had multiple significant signings that 
that probably changed what other teams were thinking about. And you know, you might you might look at it and say, okay, well, they signed their own RFAs, but that may have changed the landscape in trade potential. That may have changed the landscape in a lot of different areas for teams. So there is a deep breath time necessary. And that's why I give I give Hexy credit in Pittsburgh because he didn't wait. He got two deals done while other teams were collecting their thoughts. And uh, so I think some shrewd business there in Pittsburgh, but Colorado and Tampa looking after their own situations hmm. were significant. Well, uh, it was nice that those guys got that done. It hasn't happened so far for the Winnipeg Jets. And I really do think that, I mean, this is a matter of uh, Shevel Dayoff uh, holding out for the value that they feel that these pieces are. Uh, but this is going to put a major stress on everything going through August and into into September. And holy smokes, uh, Rick Bonus is going to have a lot on his desk when he gets into uh, into Got a Winnipeg veteran in the seat, going. though, Andrew. You know you have a veteran in that seat. He will uh, he'll be a big factor in all of this. Pooley, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, what's up for you the next little bit? Going to finally get away from the studio and back onto the golf course? I will. I will. I'm going to do overdrive twice more, and uh, and then I'm going to just hang out. It's going to be a, a, a really nice, relaxing summer of just a lot of hanging out and, uh, and not a lot of travel planned. I'll you know, get down to, to see um, both cities that my daughters live in and uh, and some good vacation time, but looking very forward to it. Well, Dave, we always appreciate you joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Keep it, keep it in the fairway. Hit them straight, and may your putts be dropping. And uh, we will talk to you very soon, my friend. Thanks so much for this. Always fun, Andrew. Have a great summer. All right, great stuff with Dave Poulin. Uh, holy smokes, folks! I can tell you, and thanks to everyone that's joining us right now. This is officially the biggest live show in the history of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, our previous record, I think, in the chat room was like eight hundred and sixty. And that was in the chaos following the Mark Shifley hit. And probably more than half of it were Psycho Habs fans coming in to uh, get their piece of flesh. Uh, Very different today. Thanks to everyone. And if you are new or if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button on YouTube and uh, join us daily, 1 p.m. The fact that this is in the middle of July right now and there's this much passion from Winnipeg Jet fans, I think tells you all you need to know about um, this market how much people care about this team. And um, certainly we appreciate everyone making us a part of their day right now. So while you're at it, hit that like uh, for our biggest show ever. We can hopefully get over 300 likes. Think that that thumbs up, make sure you hit the red subscribe button and uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast feed. All right. Mike McIntyre's teed up. He's going to join us. We will talk bombers bombing coming up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Spent a lot of time out at the lake on the weekend. Hot as hell. I think we went through two full Culligan jugs, um, but you got to stay hydrated right now. When you're talking about hydration and water, Culligan are the experts. They've been doing it in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba for over 65 years. Softers, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, the cottage, the business, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sergeant Avenue, or give them a call at 694-5180, and you can check out everything the good folks at Culligan have for you. Right now online at drinkculligan.com. It's hot outside, hot in Manitoba, over at Manitoba Battery as well, because people are taking advantage of this beautiful summer weather and getting outside. And 
So many of the things that, you know, power your summer need batteries, and Manitoba Battery has it all. They're also the home of the $99 deep cycle battery. You won't find anyone in town that can beat with that price. And the bottom line is you'll be shopping local, saving time and money as opposed to the big box stores. And, of course, Manitoba Battery will also deliver your battery anywhere citywide at no extra cost uh, and even just a small fee for outside the perimeter as well. Forget the big box stores when it comes to battery. Shop local, get a better price, and enjoy the convenience and service that Manitoba Battery has to offer. www.manitobabattery.com or go visit the team in the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. Open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Well, our friends at Royal Sports, of course, are the merchandise headquarters for Winnipeg sports fans. I'm not suggesting there might be a clearance rack of number 80s coming up anytime soon. Uh, but if you're in the market for bomber gear, Jets gear, or your favorite team from the NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Royal Sports has you covered. But it's so much more than the best merchandise selection, maybe in Canada. A massive hockey section, soccer, baseball, bikes, fitness, disc golf, tennis, whatever you want to enjoy yourself doing outside, Royal has you covered. Pop down and see him at the Superstore, 750 Pemina Highway. And uh, follow him on uh, Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sale information as well. And, hey, a big shout-out to my guy, Cam Smith. Oh, 30 to 1 coming through. I was somewhat disappointed for Rory McIlroy, uh, but... We hit a nice lock shop winner on the weekend, and what an event that was. And a big congratulations to Aaron Cockrell, who had his best performance and finish on the PGA Tour on the uh, North American event right now, while many of the top players were over at the Open Championship. Of course, when we talk golf on WST, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Give our friend Corey Johnson a call about getting on the waiting list for next year or find out everything Breezy has to offer for you and your family online at breezyben.ca. All right, let's keep the Jets conversation going and welcome in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. And uh, Mike, thanks for doing this. Speaking of Breezy, you were out there with some of the fellows this morning. Who's got the belt amongst the uh, the, me- the Winnipeg media right now? Yeah, Kenny Weeb, no surprise. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's tough to beat for sure and didn't have his A game today, but then again, none of us did. In fact, we, we probably had our D and... And F games. By the way, I see I'm now Dave Poulin. Uh, oh, I'll yeah, fix that. I'll fix that. <laughs> There's a lot going uh, on tight. Uh, update. Uh, this is Mike McIntyre for those of you yes. watching on YouTube. Um, yeah, Kenny. Uh, Kenny took home the gold. Uh, Scotty Billick got the uh, got the silver medal, and then I managed to get on the podium with the bronze. Uh, Jeff Hamilton um, gets the participation ribbon today, but. It was an interesting day. We teed off just after eight this morning and rained the first few holes and uh, weren't sure what we were going to be up against. And then, my goodness, the the sun came out, the heat came up, the humidity rose, and we were all uh, we were all struggling the last few holes today. Uh, it was a tough go. We had a great lunch uh, at Breezy and uh, made it home here in time where looks like the temperature levels outside kind of match the angst levels when it comes to Jets fans here, Huss. Uh, it's hot outside, Mike, and it has never been hotter in the chat right now. Um, this is actually, I mean, listen, I knew today was going to be a big show. I purposely, frankly, just because I didn't want to trigger myself and ruin my weekend talking about and tweeting about Duval weekend. 
I did a self moratorium for the last two days, but I knew we were going to get it today. And, um, you know, for all the talk about what was wrong with this team and, you know, needing to change around the group and the leadership group, it's quite obvious that so many Winnipeg Jet fans, starting with the fact that they traded Patrick Liney to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, saw him as maybe the guy that would be taking over in the middle beyond the Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler years. And um, for this to happen in the fashion that has happened two years away from free agency, I can tell you, has... Um, completely pissed off fans of the Winnipeg Jets to put it in layman's terms. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, let's go back to the last few days. I mean, um, it all started with Elliot Friedman leaking the report that he wasn't going to sign here. Now knowing what we know was quite clear. That was the first shot at trying to strong arm away to Montreal. And um, I asked Dave Poulin straight up, Dave, can you ever remember an agent speaking openly about moving to another team with a restricted free agent and he couldn't i mean this no. is not just normal business in the national hockey league no i mean there's there's people out there shouting tampering well let's not forget one thing huss uh, it would be tampering if pierre-luc dubois was currently under contract to the winnipeg jets he's not uh he is a restricted free agent so he is a uh, property of the winnipeg jets but he doesn't have a contract and so um, let's let's get that out of the way right off the hop. His agent is not committing tampering by openly talking about, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting to go to a place like Montreal. You know, I, I wrote... Well, that's my... why he had to make a point of clarifying it. By the sure. way, I wouldn't normally say this if he wasn't right. an RFA. You show me any other agent that said that about an RFA in the last 10 years. Oh, we can't find an example of it. No, and I, I know where that comment comes from, Haas. It comes out of frustration clearly on uh, Paprasson's part and probably Pierre-Luc Dubois' part, that, that he hasn't been moved yet. Um, the reports that are out there are certainly accurate. There was a belief that this was going to get done in and around the draft in Montreal, and obviously it didn't get done. Uh, at this point, Kevin Chevaldeoff has not um, received an offer of a package that is obviously to his liking, and I think you know, we, it probably doesn't take a genius to figure out where the sticking point might be. Um, as I wrote in my piece today, if you're the Jets and you already traded line A, you know, potentially a generational kind of player uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, and now less than two years later, you're looking at trading Dubois, you better be getting something back that you can kind of hang your hat on in terms of, you know, a stud, right? Uh, and if you're just getting back a couple guys, and no offense to Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson, but those guys are not foundational pieces. They're nice pieces. They're complementary pieces. They're not foundational players. A guy like Nick Suzuki would certainly be a foundational piece, uh, but I don't imagine Montreal is is wanting to part with a, a player like Nick Suzuki or a Cole Caulfield. They probably have their untouchables. The Jets have a certain price. The problem for Winnipeg and Kevin Sheveldayoff is they've been backed into a corner here significantly. And with each day that passes, that corner gets a little tighter. And no thanks to Dubois' agent who's done that. Now, is, is some of this just posturing? Uh, perhaps. But, you know, if... if Pierre-Luc Dubois is absolutely hell-bent on being a Montreal Canadian 
And we know that he can do that in two summers from now because he will not sign a contract that would go beyond that. So he would be a UFA and Montreal wants him and he wants Montreal. That doesn't leave the Jets with much wiggle room here. And if you're the other 30 teams that aren't the Habs, I don't imagine they're calling Kevin Chevalier off right now, burning up his phone with trade offers because why would they part with anything significant for a player that's just going to walk away from them in two years from now? It it really is a rock and a hard place. And to me, one of the biggest questions, Haas, that we don't have the answer to, how the hell did we get here? Like what happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, a guy that certainly almost became the face of the frustration on this team last year, but seemed to be a guy that was trying to pull the team with him, you know, across the, the finish line. Now we hear he doesn't even want to run in the race anymore. It, it, it's hmm. it's a, a shocking turn of events. Well, it, it, I mean, it, it certainly is. And I mean, I guess at some point, maybe there'll be some sort of an autopsy on this group going forward and, you know, Geez, did the dressing room, did the season have much to do with it? I mean, I guess you can maybe make that argument, but it's tougher to do with the fact that this has already happened with Pierre-Luc Dubois once yeah. in his career. So, I mean, it seems like this is happening all over again. Um, how it got here, I mean, honestly, at this point, that doesn't really even matter because here we are right now. Right. and. I know there's a lot of people that saying that the Montreal has all the leverage. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that entirely. Um, just with the fact that there still is two years, and two years is a very, very long time in the right. National Hockey League. Now, I think the asset of Dubois is still very much in demand around the National Hockey League, and for good teams that have a plan on maybe competing for a Stanley Cup, whether it's right now, probably more likely at the trade deadline. Yeah. Two playoffs of Pierre-Luc Dubois would absolutely command a very, very strong return in the National Hockey League. And the other thing for Montreal, um, now I'm not sure whether this is more Dubois really wanting Montreal than Montreal wanting Dubois. Obviously, if it was maybe the same, maybe a deal would have already been done. Um, but the fact of the matter is, Mike, I mean, I, the Winnipeg Jets cannot trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for 50 or 60 cents on the dollar. Um, that would be suicide, especially, I mean, in a regular circumstance, never mind the fact that this was the guy they traded Patrick Line for, which hasn't been forgotten by, I can tell you, everyone in this chat right now. Right. Um, let, let's quickly, before we get to training camp and, like, if he's back, what happens? Right. Let's talk about the fact that he didn't file for arbitration. How do you see that happening? And do you think the Jets might file for team-opted arbitration? Well, I'll tell you what, if the Jets, and they have until later today to, to take that route, a route I should note that teams almost never take, if the Jets file for arbitration on Pierre-Luc Dubois today, I, I will look at that as a major shot fired by the Jets towards Pierre-Luc Dubois and his camp. That will be a, a big FU to, to them and to the Montreal Canadiens. I think, I think they should do it. I, me too, me I too. Just, I would have already done it. Frankly, I would have done it as soon as I could. I would have done yeah. it maybe thirty minutes after he announced that he wasn't doing it. Well, that's okay. We'll still see you there. So I think they should do it. I don't think they will do it. Um, 
that just doesn't strike me necessarily as the way that True North, <clears throat> Kevin Cheveldayoff operate. For people saying, well, wh why should they do it? Well, a couple things. First of all, it will put an end, at least temporarily, to the drama. It will ensure that if the Jets aren't going to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois this summer, that he has to be at training camp. It will ensure that we don't have the Jacob Truba, the, you know, and I, I, I know sometimes these get called holdouts. I hate the term holdout. It's not a holdout when the player doesn't have a contract. A holdout would be a contracted player refusing to show up to work. So if Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't in training camp because he's not signed, that's not a holdout. It's just a contract dispute. In any event, uh, if the Jets were to file for arbitration today, team-elected arbitration, that means that there's some finality to this, at least this chapter, because they would, in very short order here, they would get a date with an arbitrator, and presuming they, presuming that Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't accept his qualifying offer, I don't expect he will. Uh, it's $6 million. I guess he could. It's a $1 million raise from last year, but I, I'd be surprised if he did. Um, but if even, assuming he doesn't accept his qualifying offer, and assuming the team and Dubois don't come to some agreement before the arbitration hearing, you'd have this third party who would issue a binding contract uh, of one or two years. Uh, and I believe the team would still get to elect the term. Um, so, you know, it would add, it would ensure that the drama at least quiets down for now. And I think if they were to go that route, well, the big thing is it takes the offer sheet off the table, right? people thinking that Montreal and I, I can't see why another team would make an offer sheet to me it's it's Montreal or bust again if you're one of the other 30 teams why are you offer sheeting first of all Pierre-Luc Dubois would have to sign the offer sheet a player has to agree to it and I don't imagine Pierre-Luc Dubois is signing any offer sheet that goes beyond two years because that would take away his UFA power um, and even if it was with Montreal, if Montreal offer sheets him for seven years, well, I don't think he's signing that because the Jets would actually probably match that. And now the Jets have him <laughs> under contract. But where it would get really interesting is if Montreal essentially wants to lay a trap for Winnipeg and offer sheet him for two years and force the Jets to do one of two things. Either they match and that walks him right into free agency in two years where no doubt the Habs will be waiting with open arms, or they don't match, and Montreal gets their player now for these two years, and then they can sign him to their big extension sort of beyond that, and Winnipeg gets compensation that you could argue <laughs> even be less than what they'd get in a trade if the Jets are trying to win right now. I'm not sure how, let's say it's a $6 million-plus offer sheet between six and eight. Well, how does a first, second, and third help Winnipeg in the coming season versus a Josh Anderson and a Christian Dvorak. I mean, I guess you now have cap space to play with, but we're all also a week into free agency. What could you go do with that mm -hmm. cap space? There's I mean, enough it, teams. There's enough teams that are looking to clear a salary. You'd be able sure. to use that. And here's the other thing, Mike, with Montreal ostensibly in a rebuild, having been the worst team in the league, how much better are they going to be this year? You think they're going to put that 2023 first round pick on the right. table for a two year offer sheet? No chance. I, I don't think. Well, and if they want it, and if the offer sheet is north of, I think it's 8.2, 8.3, something like that, it's two first rounders. So 
Yeah, I mean, go for it, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch mm-hmm. here in in a few hours to see if the Jets do what teams almost never do, which is they elect arbitration. What's with the, the downside? What like what's the downside from that? I mean, they'll have cost certainty. Like assuming, like unless they still think, ah, you know what, we'll we'll work this out, and he's going to be. I mean, if they're at the point where he's not signing here beyond sure. two years. What is the downside? You get it done. You go through it. I mean, they're already somewhat at a loggerheads. Hey, Pat Brisson, yeah, have fun. Have fun. Uh, you know, this is your own making. Have fun right. preparing for that arbitration hearing for a couple of weeks. And we go get it done and whatever it is. And then at least they know what he's making, how long he is a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And then they can go forward and decide what to do with that asset after the fact. Well, and that's why I said it would be, in, in my eyes, an FU to Pat Brisson and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois in a way, basically saying, you guys think you have the power? Uh, not anymore, guys. You're now under contract. You're going to be under contract. And if you want to play hockey this fall, we'll be the ones that dictate where you play hockey. Um, and, you know, you're not going to just sit at home. Um, I, I, I can't imagine... Maybe, you know, if, if there's not a contract by September, maybe it does drag into camp. It wouldn't benefit the player, though, to miss a whole season, right? Because then that doesn't even count towards service time. And so, I mean, but it could drag out. And again, if you're the Jets, do you want that headache? Do you want that distraction of camp? So you're right. The only downside, Huss, answer your question, is it potentially pisses off the player but again, if if we've already if that ship has sailed anyways, um, it's about control and power, and the team could wrestle at least some of that back temporarily in a situation where they don't have a whole lot of it, uh, and if they don't elect for arbitration today, they have even less of it because they're very much at the mercy potentially of an offer sheet, potentially of not having the player signed in camp not getting anything back from him and not being able to to fill his spot with another player because you have to potentially account for his salary like it, it's it's a it's not a good situation if it drags into the fall and you're right i mean the team could now do something about that potentially today and that's why i'm really curious to see if they do uh i i just don't know if that's kind of a a card up the sleeve of kevin shovelayoff uh, Mike McIntyre with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, pushing a 1,000 people in the chat right now, folks. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button and uh, join us on the reg here on WST. Um, Mike, we were already talking about the potential of players that we thought would be probably gone after last season coming back. And that was before all of this happened. Yeah. Um, what What... What does a training camp look like on day one with Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler back, and Pierre-Luc Dubois in this situation? I, Rima, and I, Rima and I were joking about who the media asked for first. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, what is a what is a three-ring circus? Forget three rings. What does a five-ring circus look like? Because it would kind of look like that, Huss. Uh, let me just throw this out. We're actually going to get Mark Shifley ahead of training camp in just a few weeks. Unless something changes, he's slated to play in the Manitoba Open as the uh, as the Jets golfer that, that gets the exemption into the Manitoba Open. And um, 
he'll have a media availability uh, ahead of that round. And I wonder if there'll be a single golf question asked of Mark Shifley. Um, <laughs> I maybe totally we'll forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, we might eventually get to asking him about golf, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm more convinced than ever, Huss, that I don't think Blake Wheeler is going to be here in the fall. I really don't. I don't know how they make it happen. I just think they do. And I think this is something you and I touched upon uh, a couple of weeks ago. You asked me about this. I think if Blake Wheeler is back, and I would I would say that's a huge if at this point, I, I would not be surprised if he's not wearing the C on his jersey anymore. Uh, I, I just, I think, I think the team is trying, the organization is trying to change some culture, some, some room issues. Um, they obviously haven't done really anything yet of note. I still think the, the, the attempts are being made behind the scenes and there's still a bit of runway here, quite a bit actually, between now and training camp. Um, at this point, uh, I think maybe of those three you just mentioned, Mark Shifley would, you know, I think Mark Shifley is going to be here in the fall. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I'm not so sure about. Blake Wheeler, I'm, I'm really convinced that the team is trying to find a way to move on. Um, but the reports that are out there are, are certainly accurate at this point. The Jets don't want to eat salary and i don't i think that's that's a position the jets are going to have to come down from i don't think you find i mean i guess an arizona maybe would take but then you better include one hell of a sweetener if you're getting them to pay his full ticket and so i think at this point you know the jets are maybe being stubborn but does he even does he even agree to go to arizona Wow, playing a college rink. I mean, like the, we right. can't forget the fact that I mean, it's a five-team list that he can be traded to. Now, right. if you're asking for a trade, you know, maybe that is expanded. But I mean, listen, yeah. I, Wheeler's a pretty proud guy. I don't think he's sure. going just to collect a check for the last two years and play on the worst team in a league in a glorified junior hockey rink. Hey, but Andrew Ladd and Brian Little are there. Yeah, sort of, kind of. <laughs> The contracts the, of those players. The contracts of those guys are there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, Haas. I mean, if if his list is as limited as we think it might be, but again, maybe he's expanded it. Depends how desperate he is himself to change. But you're right. He's he's a guy who's openly talked about the one thing you know he's desperately seeking before his career ends is a championship. While if he's going to some outpost like Arizona not winning a Stanley Cup before he hangs up his skates. So, um, you know, that's why you look around the league right now, what teams are legitimate contenders. And if you compile a list of those teams, well, how many of them have the kind of cap space to take a Blake Wheeler at anywhere close to a full, a full eight plus million dollar ticket. And I think the answer is probably none of them. And so that's why, you know, I guess maybe as we get closer to camp, Perhaps the Jets do have to come off the position it would appear that they've taken at this point, which is that they're trying to move him and his entire salary. Obviously, it hasn't worked to this point. No, no doubt about that. Um, and for Chevy's perspective, and I will say this, and yes, maybe this is petty, and I know you guys, the big Jays, cannot say this, but if it did come down to they thought that there was going to be a trade happening on the draft floor, 
and the family was all there and he was going to be welcomed in as the prodigal son coming back. Um, if he actually did say, actually, screw you guys, we're not doing it until we get our guy. If you want to do it, great, make the trade. We'll do it right now. If not, beat it. And that's what happened. I'm fully behind that because to be perfectly honest, Mike, this is a situation. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets are a small market. They have a lot of things going against them. It would be disastrous long-term for this team, this management group, to be perceived by the other 31 teams that they can be pushed around and right. taken advantage of. And I really do think that if they're – and listen, I think the Jets over the number of years in a number of other situations have dug their heels in and said, no, this is the way we're doing it. We have control in this. And to me, this is a very similar situation. So – I mean, no one will have an issue if he actually ends up getting his way and going to Montreal if the return coming back makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets. Right. Um, but to essentially sort of diminish the value of the asset yourself and then expect that to be the level that the player is traded for, that doesn't make sense. And it sets a terrible precedent for Winnipeg if it were to happen. And that's why I could see this thing going forward. And that's why I think they should absolutely opt for the team selected arbitration and then deal with the mess that it was not of their making. But I mean, sometimes you got to make your, you got to sleep in the bed that you made. And that I think is what Pat Brisson's on the verge of having to do. Well, to your point, Huss, and I, I agree with you that you can't show weakness. I mean, we know the Jets are at a significant disadvantage when it comes to trying to sign free agents, right? Like Winnipeg, for a number of reasons, will never be able to compete with the Tampas, the Vegases, you know, the Nashvilles, even the Torontos, the New Yorks. So the Jets are often, they're kind of in a league of their own or a, a league of, of, you know, a bit of a minor league, if you will, when it comes to free agents, where they really then can't afford to, to show weakness is on the trade market. And I think history suggests Kevin Sheveldayoff won't be bullied, um, won't be pressured into making a rush move. And and for exhibit A on that, Huss, may I point you to one Evander Kane, who he's done interviews where he said that he asked for a trade for like four years. This is a guy who was unhappy, who wanted out, and Kevin Sheveldayoff, I mean, eventually he accommodated his trade request, but not until he got what he felt was a fair return. And I think when you look at what the Jets got for in the Evander Kane deal, it was a pretty nice haul. And it actually kind of set the team on, on a much better path. Uh, but there was a case hmm. where, I mean, if he had just acceded to his initial request, or you might call it a demand, and gave in to the player... Uh, he probably takes a bath on it. So that's not his his way. That's not the organization. Hey, let me just quickly give Kane credit. He never he never operated as greasy as Brisson and Dubois are right now. I mean, hey, everyone's got the, hey, I'd like to be traded. Okay, well, we'll see what we can do. Okay, sure. and say it again. Um, but, I mean, it never got even close. I mean, listen, when Evander Kane got traded, he was essentially booted out of the dressing room by guys within that room, and they had to make a move. I mean, this wasn't the, – the patience was absolutely there, and I think it ended up playing out in the Jets' favor. For sure. And, you know, so I, I get – look, I'm a big Pierre-Luc Dubois fan. I really am. I've written a lot of pieces about him. I loved what Pierre-Luc Dubois did uh, on the ice and off the ice. I, I make no secret of that. I thought – I thought he led by example last year. I thought he was accountable 
in a way that some of his teammates consistently weren't. Uh, he was the guy that was regularly showing up in our media sessions. There were times we didn't even ask for him, and we heard that he wanted to talk. He had things he wanted to say. And to me, that showed leadership. I've written in the past that I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, he was conducting himself like a future captain. So I know there's people that that look at how his time in Columbus ended and say, oh my God, are we going to see that? Are we going to see that that last game, last shift effort from PLD if he's basically here against his will? And I know there's that pretty damning example of how his tenure ended. Personally, I, I really hope we don't see that. And I'd like to think that that that's not who he really is. But if you're the Jets, no doubt that's also got to be a factor that has to weigh uh, as you're as you're debating how to handle this situation, Hus, if you have an unhappy player and you already have a very unhappy dressing room and a, a culture that needs changing, is bringing an unhappy player back, even if it's for one more year or up till next trade deadline, are you getting the most out of that player? Are you getting the most out of your team? Um, I can't answer that, but I suspect these are debates and discussions that are being had right now by management well there's no doubt about it um if you listen i can't believe it was so funny i mean when you compare it to last summer when uh you know going into free agency you get those two defensemen all right the team's set ready to go go to aikens lake go hang out for summer we'll see in (laughs) september and it was relatively slow Right. It is the exact opposite right now. And listen, I mean, much of it is their own doing. I mean, you know, they've worked through, they've not moved on from players. They've made the certain decisions that they are what they are um, and now have a need to do that. And it obviously isn't easy making those deals. And I think we've talked about some of the challenges that come with trading players just with the no trades list, you know, coming to Winnipeg. But Mike, um, you would think that something does have to give but specifically with Dubois. Um, and this is why I think it was such a dangerous move to try to force the Jets into this publicly, trading him to one particular team. Is that if they do that, it is almost seen like they got forced into doing it. And right. uh, as I said, you know, for the team in the short term, yeah, you're probably right. But in the long term, for the viability of the organization and the way that they do business, I just can't see them capitulating without no. getting full value. Um, and to your point about the Montreal Canadiens with where they are right now, you know, is there really the the the, the need for them to do that as is? Um, but for Dubois, this absolutely harms his value, I think, amongst other teams, amongst here in Winnipeg. And I'll say this, if the guy is set on signing some massive big free agent deal and coming home, the best thing you could possibly do is have two monster years before you get to that if you're not getting traded. And um, it doesn't seem like they thought about that option. They're trying to get it, get it and they want it now. Yeah, and I, I've seen, you know, I've had comments thrown my way that people unhappy, obviously, with Dubois in his camp saying, oh, the Jets should, Jets should send Dubois to Arizona or send him to Philly so he can play with court. <laughs> um, and, you know, on one hand, I appreciate the pettiness to those positions on the other hand Huss that's not happening I mean again why would Philadelphia or Arizona yeah why would they give up anything for a guy that doesn't want to be there 
and would walk in two years anyways. And that and that's the problem that the could market... there be could there be another team though? I mean, okay, obviously, I mean, people are mentioning Arizona and Philly because they're pissed off and they want to stick it to the guy. Right. But I mean, if there was an option in Anaheim or in Los Angeles or some other spot that, you know, he might go to and realize, hey, this is a pretty good place. Maybe I will want to stay here. Um, like, could there be a team other than Montreal as a destination for Duval? I mean, I guess there could, but do you think that's at all realistic? Or is it basically a Montreal deal or he comes back here, has to suck it up and deal with the mess that he's made and hopefully play well and make people forget about it? No, I absolutely think there could be a deal, Huss. I just don't know if the return would be what Kevin Chevaldeoff is looking for. Because let's just, I'll, I'll just throw out an example. Let's say you're the New York Islanders and you whiffed on Johnny Gaudreau, right? They were trying to make a big splash, swing and a miss. He didn't come there. Same with New Jersey. So let's say you're like, well, what do we do now? We need to bring in an impact player. We need to score more. We need to be harder to play against. So a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois might make tons of sense for the New York Islanders. But again, if the Islanders are looking at it like, yeah, but his agent has already said he's going to Montreal in two years. He's not going to sign a seven-year deal with us. Like this isn't going to be a sign and trade or a trade and sign where they immediately income to the big extension. I mean, if that's not happening, that lessens the return to Winnipeg. And that's why those comments are potentially so damaging when it comes to anything but Montreal. Montreal or bust would seem to be the mentality. And again, maybe that was just a very public bluff. And maybe behind the scenes, it's not as as rigid as it appears. But if that's really the mentality, hmm. that, is, that does put the Jets in a tough spot when it comes to trying to get what they believe would be a fair return for the player. And yeah, you can't give him away for nothing, but you also can't risk losing him for nothing. And you have to weigh, you know, when would be the perfect time then to move him? And that's where I think an interesting potential situation arises here, Huss. And that would be the trade deadline to me. If we're talking about any of the other 30 NHL teams that aren't Montreal, Pierre-Luc Dubois might be way more valuable to another team next February, much more so than he is right now. Um, because you may have a team, you know, that is gearing up for a big run and they feel they, they're just one piece away and they're willing to pay a ransom. And we just saw that this past trade deadline. Florida gave up a ton for Claude Giroux. The Rangers gave up quite a lot for Andrew Kopp purely as a rental. And in the case of Dubois, I mean, if he carries another year on top of this current year, and it's more than just, like you said, two playoffs, not one, well, maybe the Jets actually get more for him at the trade deadline than they do now. The only problem, Haas, is how do we get from here to there? How do, how do we get from where we are right now, even to the trade deadline, you need to get him, first of all, under contract. And so that goes back to arbitration. One way to get him under contract is for the team to elect arbitration later today. If they don't, you run the risk that this drags through camp. It becomes a massive distraction. And potentially, you don't even get the guy signed by the December deadline. And he sits out the entire year. And that helps nobody. 
Well, that's exactly what I was thinking, Mike. I mean, that's why, I mean, again, we'll find out later on today how the team pr- decides to proceed going forward. Um, but a long, protracted, I know it's not a holdout, but uh, an absence doesn't help the team in the short term. It's games that you would be getting from an asset right. that he's not able to play. Um, it hampers you. Just one more question, because this is something that I've thought about. And we, uh, there's a lot of people that discuss that maybe at this point in the Jets history, you know, in their, in their moving forward with the contracts, maybe this was the time to, I don't want to say blow it up, but make some big significant decisions that might impact your short-term ability to win a Stanley Cup for futures. And it didn't seem like that was at all the appetite of the organization. That being said, we're still at a point where the question marks that remained at the end of last season are all there. And now you've got an even bigger one with Dubois, who I think was a player that was always thought of who would be sort of that next guy up. Um, Is there any chance in your mind that what has happened so far through the offseason and now with this development potentially triggers a significant change of course organizationally for the Jets over the course of this next two months, which certainly would affect the next year potentially too? Absolutely. I I mean, they obviously tried to get Barry Trotz. So we know what they were thinking when they try and bring Trotz in. That was not to do a a complete teardown and rebuild. They didn't get Trotz, but again, they hired a 68-year-old coach in Rick Bonus, who's not coming here for a long-term kind of project. But that being said, um, if Blake Wheeler's moved... If Mark Shifley, if they're not confident that they can get him re-signed next summer, because don't forget, he's a UFA in two years, and they won't necessarily want to go into his final year without some certainty. And, oh, there's that guy in net, Connor Hellebuck, who has, let me just say this, you talk about guys that were pissed off by the end of last season. Connor Hellebuck was right up there, both publicly and privately. And from everything I've heard about Hellebuck is I mean, not demanded a trade, but he's made it pretty clear to the organization that he wants to see them kind of build a team that can win. He's not, Hunter Hellebuck isn't here for a teardown and a rebuild. And again, he's a guy that in a year from now, you're going to have to do something about his contract. Either you're resigning him or you're moving on. So you're right. Uh, they may have to change course. They may have no choice but to change course um, because of certain things that have happened or haven't happened. And uh, all of it is adding up to one very um, eventful and I I would suggest a sleepless summer for the organization, at least so far. Mike, congratulations. You were the guest when we hit a 1,000 people in the chat for the first time ever in Winnipeg Sports Talk history. Oh, man, I knew today's show was going to be big, but um, even this is uh, shocking, but I think it just is a perfect example of the pulse of this fanboy now. And as hot as it is outside, I think they're hotter right now in here on WST right now. I hope you didn't have any long holidays planned over the next little bit because it sounds like this Jets beat, even in the middle of the summer, will be as hot as it is at any point in the regular season. Yeah, no, uh, no big holiday. A couple weeks from now, heading down to the Twin Cities, actually, with my with my son and my dad and my brother. We're going to go watch the Jays for a few days. So, uh, But other than that, sticking close to home and close to the laptop and the uh, and the phone, 
uh, because it is, uh, well, kind of like the show here today, Haas. It's been blowing up lately, and we'll uh, continue to try and stay on top of it uh, and uh, keep that pulse racing for sure. Well, we'll look forward to what you and the gang have tomorrow in the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll find out what happens with the uh, team option for arbitration. And uh, something tells me we'll be speaking about this again in uh, in future episodes to come. For uh, us, uh, don't forget to hydrate, folks. When you're <laughs> when that temperature is soaring, you want to stay hydrated. I don't want anyone to pass out uh, out there from heat stroke or otherwise. So. We're going to bring a, a team of counselors on the program tomorrow for everyone in the chat as well. Mike, thanks for doing this as always. You bet. Take care. All right. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. As I said, pushing a thousand people in right now. Hit that red subscribe button, folks, and join us every day, Monday to Friday, one o'clock live on YouTube. But if you subscribe, whenever you jump on YouTube, you'll have the latest WST content completely free delivered right through to your inbox. All right. Um, do want to thank our friends at Not Autocorp. Uh, I saw Milt Stiegel looking good on the weekend. Of course, Milt and all the Not ads. He's been a Not driver when he was in Winnipeg for years. And of course, not Autocorp has been putting Manitobans into beautiful vehicles at amazing prices for a long time. Uh, shop local, and why not get into the best uh, price on a new on a new or used vehicle uh, that you can with the help of the gang over at Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, online at not.ca. Check out all the great Teslas they've got on the lot as well, and ask about the Tesla Experience program if you're thinking about moving over to electric. Um, I know there was a few little brown jugs consumed over the course of the weekend. Uh, had a couple in the parking lot before the game on Friday. What a great tailgate we had. Shout out to Dom. D outdid yourself last Friday. Uh, and of course, a hot weekend goes a heck of a lot better with the 1919 or any of the great summer beers they've got over at Little Brown Jug. You can pick up the summer variety pack at beer stores around the city or downtown at Little Brown Jug. Don't forget that delicious new Folk Fest lager. But the best place you can do it is head on down to the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. Try it all for yourself and uh, check out their merchandise as well while you're there. And of course, you can order all Little Brown Jug products online for citywide delivery as well at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, great weekend for some Nick and Nikki DQ. I know they were working overtime. And we're going to talk about that vanilla bomber 6-0 team with Darren Bombing coming up right now. Uh, but, of course, four locations in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. No better time than the present to pop down and see Nick and Nikki grab a blizzard, one of those delicious stack burgers, or a cake for an upcoming party. They're at DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. You can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for uh, a custom cake order to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And as we get into our conversation with Darren Bombing, big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto, great sponsors of the Blue Bombers. The tailgate area was packed before the game on Friday, and it'll continue to be two hours before each and every game. $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop. Great entertainment from DJ Finesse. Prizes from the Princess Auto Gang. It is the place to be before all Blue Bomber games. And of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. All right, let's lighten the mood up a little bit. And talk about the 6-0 Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What a night at IG Field on Friday. 
a thrilling game, a thrilling end. And I know DB and Zach were uh, up late talking about it with Bomber fans on the Bonfire Sports Channel. And Darren Bombing from Bonfire joins us now. DB, how about that game on Friday night and uh, the weekend that followed? Yeah, it was a memorable game, wasn't it, Huss? Like, uh, it was just the atmosphere. Uh, you know, we even talked about the aroma of the stadium on the post game show on bonfire. Like it, it's one of those games, not just because of what happened on the field, but the circumstances around it all that I think blue bomber fans will remember for a really, really long time. So many moments in that game as well that, um, you know, just uh, are so uh, conversational and memorable. Um, it, it was truly a special night. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I mean, the game was exactly what it was kind of pumped up to be. I mean, a battle of undefeated teams back and forth. Um, and it really was a classic. And the funny thing is, Rio was talking about the West final. And the West final last year, for me, I, one of the most memorable sporting events I've ever been in, in Winnipeg. I mean, the crowd, the feeling, how cold it was, the way they came back and won the game um, was special. And it was a playoff game. They went to the Grey Cup. For regular season games, though, that was right up there, Darren, with the uh, with the amount of, I think, hype that went into it. But the way that not only did the teams come out, but also the uh, the fans. I mean, you had almost 30,000 people there, well hydrated, shall we say. And, um, you know, I mean, that was a big, big part of everything that we had going as well. Um, so it, it just added into an absolutely thrilling, thrilling night. Um, but as far as the game itself goes, Darren, let's get into, uh, you know, some of the neat things. First of all, a bit of a coming out party for Agadozi. You talk about making the most of your first start. I mean, uh, he was a huge part of the game and Remus mentioned off air. I had no idea the guy was six, six and looked like Calvin Johnson, but there he was coming down with some big balls in the end zone and, uh, really making an impact in his first start. Oh, you're muted. There you go. Okay, gotcha. Right on. So yeah, for six foot six and two hundred and twenty pounds, Carlton Agadosi seems to have just great um, agility and athleticism and body control to leap the way he does, change his body position, and then of course use those long arms in that six foot six frame to pluck the ball out of the air. Um, that touchdown he made where he was kind of twisting in the air, that was against one of the best covered corners in the CFL over the last number of years in Calgary's Trey Roberson. Um, to have a weapon like that, to run the fade route to the back corner of the end zone, to have Zach Kolaris put it up high where nobody else can get it, and you got Carlton Agadosi able to, to you know, have two touchdowns in his CFL debut and, and now second season uh, here in Winnipeg. Um, what an unbelievable weapon this could prove to be. Um, as impressive, maybe even more so, was Greg Ellingson, right? Oh, what a monster game he had. And listen, I was fired up about the signing, and we talked to him about maybe getting him to Winnipeg before. But, I mean, even with the incredible numbers that he's put up in his career over, over the course of uh, the number of seasons, the way he's gelled with Zach Caleros right out of the gate in game number one and continually building on that game after game. I mean, he's right there with the most productive receivers in the game right now and is giving Zach Caleros all sorts of opportunities to hit him and make big plays. And that's exactly what they did over and over again on Friday night. 
he was spectacular, you know, uh, having 14 targets and, and pulling in 11 of them the way he did to, to put up the yardage he did. Uh, he had seven second down conversions. That's good for a two or three game stretch. Uh, he did that all in one night in arguably the biggest game, not just for the Bombers, but maybe even the entire CFL this season. Um, I just saw a note from TSN, actually, where Greg Ellingson is the first player in the CFL to hit 100 fantasy points so far this season. So if you look at it any way you want, whether it's helping him win games, helping Winnipeg win games, or helping fantasy owners win weeks, uh, Greg Ellingson is getting it done. There is seems to be instant chemistry between him and Zach Kolaris. And to see Ellingson get open over and over again against a very good Calgary Stampeders defense, um, it, it says a lot about uh, a guy who's into his 30s but clearly still uh, capable of what he's done over the last five years. And that's average over a thousand yards per season. Uh, Darren bombing a bonfire sports with us here in Winnipeg sports talk, breaking down the bombers, big win to go six and zero against the Calgary Stampeders. They're in Edmonton on Friday night um, without a buy for the first seven weeks, sort of weird BC's at three and one right now. The bombers are going to have played seven games on Friday. Uh, but again, it's going well, and that could very well help them later on now that they're stacking these wins up at the, this point. Um, from a Calgary perspective, I thought they did a lot of good things. The Winnipeg Blue Blomber defense came and uh, and showed out, though. But honestly, maybe the biggest factor in the game finishing the way that it did outside the thrilling final play, Darren, was Calgary absolutely killing themselves with penalties. I mean, some stupid, undisciplined penalties really were impactful in that game. And I was sitting right in front of Zach at the game, and Legio misses that field goal and gets the roughing the kicker. That was a six-point penalty. I mean, you went from a single point to a major, um, and it's pretty clear that you have to do everything right if you want to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Calgary did quite a few things right, but it wasn't enough. And you can't have those self-inflicted mistakes cost you. And that was a huge part of Friday night's result. Head coach Michael Shea said exactly that after the game. You know, you have to take advantage of your errors. Winnipeg made a lot of errors and didn't play particularly well on special teams. But when Calgary made mistakes, Winnipeg optimized on those and and was able to, um, you know, take full advantage. Uh, It's not just that roughing the kicker penalty that was a six-point swing. You look at the target chart. uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's numbers were maybe his worst of the season. He had at least five, maybe six drops by his receivers. The the costly penalties, absolutely, but you pile the penalties up. It was a heck of a lot of yardage the Blue Bombers gained just from Calgary playing undisciplined. Uh, And then late in the game, a really critical point where the Stampeders put together a great drive. You look at the Bombers' defense, you know, They've been very, very good this season, but the reality is Calgary got chunk play after chunk play. You know, 10, 15, 25-yard plays. Um, Kadeem Carey had a monster game, but mistakes that Calgary made that that don't show up on the score sheet is that miscommunication where Reggie Begleton and Malik Henry collided in the end zone in what would have been a sure touchdown that probably would have won Calgary the game. Uh, And then there were other moments where the Stampeders just, um, you know, were on the doorstep and didn't go to the best running back in the CFL in Kadeem Carey. Absolutely uh, confusing and confounding why Dave Dickinson didn't go to his most accomplished uh, pile pusher, uh, 
Kadeem Carey is a little bowling ball. Like he can push the pile two, three yards after contact. I know Winnipeg is good on goal line stands, mm. but give the guy an opportunity to punch it in. Um, kind of reminded me of, of Marshawn Lynch and the Seattle Seahawks uh, of Super Bowls uh, gone by. But there's conversation hustler in Calgary right now. Did the Bombers win or did Calgary lose? I think that is a valid argument to have right now. It's something we're going to talk about on Bonfire Midweek tomorrow. Well, the Bombers won, and they do it every week, and they're 6-0 and right now, and uh, I, mean, I see it in the chat, and it is true. I mean, it's a cliche, but good teams find ways to win, and yep. the nature of the way the game was won truly was uh, spectacular in that play. But one big thing that would happen before that was a misconvert by Mark Leggio, and, you know, for a guy that started, what, 13 of 13 at halftime in the BC game, things have gone pretty south for the bomber kicker. And I'm already feeling the people in the chat starting to talk about the kicking position in a similar vein that we had last year, which, of course, led to a Sergio Castillo being signed late in the season or acquired late in the season. And then, it, for my money, actually being the MVP of the Grey Cup, but having such a right. huge, huge um, role in the playoffs. I mean, what do you make of the kicking game after the last six quarters for legs? Well, big picture, when your team is 6-0 and and the Bombers 6-0 for the first time in 62 years, 1960 was the last time they started a season 6-0, and it's, you know, you got to find something to kind of talk about and something to criticize. No, Mark Leggio has not been rock solid. Maybe it has a lot to do with, yeah, Sergio Castillo and how good he was in essentially being the Grey Cup MVP and kicking in those swirling wins in Hamilton. Maybe it's, you know, Justin Medlock and how unbelievable he was in, you know, capping his Hall of Fame career here in Winnipeg. Um, the reality is we've seen good from Mark Leggio, especially punting. You know, that game back on Friday, he started it with his longest field goal of the season in the first quarter. It was a 48-yarder. But yeah, missed converts, those single points, missed field goals and those opportunities if it wasn't for some boneheaded Calgary Stampeders penalties. This game could have definitely gone uh, a different direction. Fans are not dumb. They know that one point or three points missed uh, can definitely cost a team a game, especially in the Canadian Football League, especially against good teams like the Calgary Stampeders. So I understand the frustration. I I'm not ringing any alarm bells yet. But, yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all that uh, fans are a little bit uh, anxious and there's some angst coming out about the kicking game. Mark Leggio can be better and needs to be better than he has been. DB, great weekend in the Canadian Football League. It though, really was. I mean, every game was an absolute thriller. Um, and touchdown Atlantic and a great crowd for it. But a lot of people were talking about the nonsense, again, from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of all teams before the game. How the hell did Williams even play in that game after what happened with that helmet shot? That, that's ridiculous, frankly, to throw a helmet at an opponent and then, you know, afterwards finding out, you know, accusations from the other team, the Toronto Argonauts, saying that Duke Williams spit twice uh, at the face or in the face of, of an, a Toronto Argonauts player. And he has a history of that too, or at least history of those accusations of spitting on opponents. Why he played in that game, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with it being a marquee game and taking out one of the most recognizable stars and biggest names in the CFL in Duke Williams. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, at this point, Hustler, with the way uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have had ridiculous actions, both between the whistles and outside of the lines, 
Um, last week with Garrett Marino, this week with Duke Williams, you you have to wonder what's going to happen next week uh, in Saskatchewan. They ended up losing that game to Toronto. I'm not too upset about that. I know a lot of, you know, of course, all Bombers fans aren't upset about that. But, you know, when, when a team is, you know, acting the way the stamp or the uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are and handling things, kind of bobbling things and bumbling things with the comments um, of Dave Dickinson with, uh, you know, the, these clearly written press releases uh, of apologies uh, by players, assumedly or presumably. Um, and then, you know, accusations uh, from Jeremiah Masoli saying nobody tried to contact me. And, and, you know, Gear Marino and the Rough Riders saying that they'd reached out to him to apologize. Uh, it's an absolute tire fire in Saskatchewan right now. The Blue Bombers will have three games yet uh, with Saskatchewan. We'll see if, uh, you know, they continue their downward spiral or if they're able to stabilize some things with an absolutely beaten up and battered quarterback in Cody Fajardo. Uh, but right now they're definitely on the outside looking in, in, you know, a West division that has three powers, Winnipeg, Calgary and BC. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's a terrible look for the riders. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, I thought the way they handled the Moreno thing was amateur hour, to be honest. And um, I mean, <laughs> that's business on the weekend. Um, what do you think he gets a game? I think he should get two. I hope to be so. Perfectly honest with you, especially yeah. considering he was able to play in that game on the weekend. Well, there, there were accusations of, of Marino and, um, you know, racist comments, right. And, you know, accusations of Duke Williams spitting twice on the Toronto Argonauts or on a player or in a Even, player's like, face. Never mind all the accusations, just the fact like that helmet shot is so dangerous. You hit a guy in a head like that. I mean, I mean, that has absolutely no place, and I think it needs to be 100%. dealt with strongly. And it was embarrassing for the league that he was even able to take the field for that game, considering what happened before. Hey, just on the way out, Remo and I are going to get into the cool bet lines, and we're just looking at the early lines for the uh, for the CFL. This Montreal-Ottawa game is going to be interesting. One of these teams has to win. I mean, both teams <laughs> blowing leads. The choke job by the Alouettes was an all-timer against the Elks. Um, and Ottawa, I mean, listen, I got a lot of love for Lapo. I think he did a great job, uh, as an OC here in Winnipeg, but some of the things that were an issue with the bombers when he was the head coach was a real lack of discipline. And man, we saw it cost the Ottawa red blacks against the bombers in the first two games of the season. It continues to be an issue. And, uh, if that doesn't get straightened out, they're not going to win so many games. I think he's what three and 15, three and 16 right now. And I imagine there's a lot of pressure on Lapo to get a win against a Montreal team. That's feeling the same way after already firing their head coach. I have to say this about the Ottawa Red Blacks. I don't think they got what their, you know, the fate that their effort on this past weekend deserved them. The Hamilton Tiger Cats did everything to lose that game, failing to score, turning the ball over, their own problems with discipline and penalties. Uh, I really thought Hamilton, or, or pardon me, Ottawa should have won that game. But you're right, Hustler. Paul Police was not a hire by the current general manager of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Sean Burke hired from Hamilton this offseason. You have to wonder how hot that seat is. You have to wonder how short the leash is. But the reality is that they are close in games. They, you know, lost by three at home to the BC Lions. They lost close games to some very, very good teams, including the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, and right now they're playing without their starting quarterback. They're playing with a second year backup in Caleb Evans, who has some skills, but is definitely not a polished starter in the CFL. So, you know, things are going a little bit from bad to worse. 
Um, but firing coaches midseason, Montreal did it. It's not going to help. I don't think Ottawa is going to get any better. I think you only get worse when you start changing things midseason. So, you know, Lapolis has, in my opinion, the rest of the year to really turn things around. Oh, the good thing is the East is such a garbage division to begin with they're right right in it despite not being able to win darren great stuff as always um quickly tee up i know listen to bomber fans if you missed the post game that's there for youtube if you want to relive that thriller on friday night and uh, as you just sort of alluded to you'll be getting back at it in the midweek as well let people know when you're on and where they can find you yeah, the post game, frankly, all season hustler has been lit. People love it. The numbers are through the roof, loving the response on uh, how much people are enjoying our post game coverage. But we got pregame with Chris Walby. We do it live at 3 p.m. the day before the game, and then bonfire midweek every Tuesday night at 7:30. You can find information on all that and links and more at bonfiresports.ca. Excellent, and uh, be sure to hang out with us on Thursday afternoon. We'll finish up just after 3, and uh, you'll yes, be able sir. to fire up right over to a DB and Big Bluto. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Have a great week. Always good, man. Take care. Good stuff. There's Darren Bauman with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, uh, brightening up the conversation a little bit, talking about the uh, juggernaut Winnipeg Blue Bombers, now 6-0 and on top of the West and the Canadian Football League once again. Uh, very slow night, one of the slowest sports nights of the year. We do have the home run derby. We'll maybe talk about that quickly when we look at the cool bet lines. Uh, But of course, all-star game tomorrow, great CFL games on the weekend, and maybe most importantly, phenomenal air conditioning at your local Boston pizza. Take advantage of their happy hour deals between three and six and nine and 12 and that great new summer menu. And of course, if you are staying home in your own AC, you can always order online. Check out their game day deals and order at bostonpizza.com. Tell you what goes great with the pizza or a football game as we saw on Friday night. That incredible new ready-to-drink Canadian club CC and ginger ale mixed cocktail. Saw a number of folks enjoying a few of those, shall we say, on Friday night. And of course, if you are pop by any beer store, you'll see it available in six packs as well. Ready to go. Toss it in a cooler. Um, you know, if you're kind of over beer, a great, great option to uh, add to the mix, if you will, for Summer Canadian Club available at all Manitoba Liquor Marts and the CC and Ginger Ale now available at your local beer stores as well. All right, we will get to the Cool Bet lines coming up. And don't forget, Assiniboia Downs Live Racing is back tonight. Um, Remo, what do you want to do first? You want to do horse picks or you want to get to the uh, lines? Talk kind of bouncing off our CFL conversation with Darren. Let's do the Cool Bet. I just got to put one more. I got to put one more bet in. But uh, I do have to say, like the audience for this show uh i am totally blown away here we hit cracked 1000 viewers when mike was on we've got over 400 likes i mean we might have to we worry pretty that. much have to do the suit show we now had, that everyone's been asking everyone's been asking us to do a suit show for 300 likes we hit 300 and then went to four so I think we have to do it tomorrow. I think I have to get, I got to get my F apparel suit ready. Now you don't have your F suit. I I don't have my new F one yet. You can do it and uh, I will do it as well. But yes, we, we appreciate it greatly folks. Thanks so much for coming. And everybody knew um, this is where we're at every day. One o'clock. If you are normally an audio listener, the podcast each day is out and ready for you around three 30, just in time for your ride home. Uh, But you should subscribe on both wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube and, 
wherever the best way on each day to consume Winnipeg Sports Talk. It'll be very easy to get for you, and uh, we certainly appreciate the support as well as the support from everyone giving those thumbs up. Pretty phenomenal show today, especially considering it is the middle of July when normally sports talk sometimes goes to sleep, not in Winnipeg and not in this offseason with what's going on with the Jets off the ice and with what's going on with the Bombers on the field. Yeah, this is um, this is pretty incredible. Uh, but just what's going on with the Jets the last couple of months, our, our viewership since the season ended, like I was like, well, we're, what are we going to talk about? Uh, we... <laughs> <laughs> the problem what are we gonna talk about the problem has been there's been too much to talk about so we need to add a third hour to the show for crying out loud yeah. with everything that's happened right now all right let's get to these cool bet lines and i just mentioned uh cfl lines are out right now for this week uh we've got a double header on we got a double header on thursday this week it looks like remo Montreal, Ottawa, 6 p.m. I just alluded to that game with Darren. Uh, the Alouettes, I think this opened at one and a half earlier right now. It's minus two for Montreal, Ottawa, a two-point home dog. Ottawa plus 106 on the money line. Montreal minus 128. The BC Lions are laying a touchdown at home. Seven-point favorites at home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats who got off the schneid with that late win over Ottawa on the weekend. And then the Bombers and Elks go at it in Commonwealth Stadium Friday night. It's an 8 o'clock start here, Winnipeg time. And the Bombers, not surprisingly, are a significant favorite, laying eight points on the road at minus 115. Would not at all be surprised if that number goes up. So I think if you do want the Bombers, you might want to jump in now. And the final game is a rematch of the Touchdown Atlantic game back in Saskatchewan at Mosaic. The Argonauts, six-and-a-half-point underdogs, Riders, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home after the uh, Argos with that big fourth-quarter rally and win on the weekend. Uh, and one other thing happening tonight, Remo, and you're probably a better person to talk about this than me. Uh, we've got the home run derby tonight. Pete Alonzo, two-to-one. Kyle Schwarber, three-to-one. Juan Soto, plus 550. Acuna Jr., six-to-one. Julio Rodriguez, eight-to-one. Corey Seager, ten-to-one. Jose Ramirez, 14 to 1, and Albert Pujols, 20 to 1. The home run derby used to suck. I've never seen anything do such a 180 with a very simple rules change. Now that the timer's in effect, it is one of the most fun, maybe the most fun, quote unquote, skills competition of any of the All Star games. And uh, I will absolutely be watching this tonight. And, uh, now you're supposed to tell me who I should be laying a little scratch on at Cool Bet for this thing tonight. Yeah, if anyone else wants to weigh in, I agree with you on the Home Run Derby. Um, the Rapid Fire timed event uh, has been awesome. We've seen some incredible shows uh, you know, put on by Pete Alonso, Vlad Guerrero Jr. over the last couple of years. Uh, my team is Seattle, who's the hottest team in baseball right now. I haven't made the playoffs since 2001, a long time ago, but I threw down on Julio Rodriguez. They're a young superstar, the rookie. I don't know if he's going to win, but I need someone to cheer for. I am going to be cheering for him anyways. I think Acuna or Soto, that range is is pretty good. Um, Soto, the one who, I don't know if you heard this over the weekend, just declined a $440 million contract from, the, Washington deal. from the Nationals. And I actually think it was the right decision to decline it because uh, <laughs> he's probably going to be able to get more than that. So we'll see if he gets traded. But those two guys, I mean, Jose Ramirez, 14-1. He's a tall player, too. Um, I, don't, I don't mind it, but 
Alonzo, back-to-back. The one thing I do love about this is the Home Run Derby chain. They have a new one for this year. It'll be presented to the winners. So uh, I would go Soto or Acuna, Acuna range, but I'm going with Julio. I might roll. I just found ever since I went in, Libel always used to have a home run derby party and we would bet yeah. on it. And you would basically, I had the last pick and had to take Orlando Cespedes and then Cespedes won it. So I realized that long shots can absolutely win the home run derby. So yes. it's all up there for you. At cool bet. If you haven't bet there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks and a big shout out to all the cool betters and lock shop viewers that rode with yours truly on the mullet cam smith at the open championship i bet it at 30 to 1 last monday gave it out it was 28 to 1 when we did the lock shop it finished at 22 so jumping on a little bit early got a much nicer payoff for the Open Championship, and what a weekend it was out at St. Andrews and a hell of a final round. Feel for Rory, uh, but I didn't feel as bad because, uh, of course, Cam was our guy. All right, Remo, let's get to Assiniboia Downs picks tonight. We're back at the track Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Gorgeous outside. I, I think it sounds like we're going to get a ton of rain tomorrow, so if you're looking for a great day to go, tonight might be the night. They uh, get to post at 7.30 p.m., let me pull up my picks here because uh, I'm hopefully going to be starting well. Uh, I'm going right to race number three, and uh, we're going to go with Mr. Pickles, the four horse to win for uh, $4. Race number four, we're going with the uh, Triactor box. So it's a $6 bet, $1 six ways. So uh, I need... Number one, Miami Souvenirs. Number four, A Lot to Like. And number six, Sunday Suzanne. In any order, that will be a winner, hopefully. Uh, race number five, I'm going with uh, one favorite and one long shot for a Quinella. The favorite is Artesian Dancer. And the long shot is Wits Magic. And I could not put Wits Magic on the, uh, on the docket because that was the... $80 winner in race six or race seven when we were there last week on Tuesday, Remo. Surprised he's back. Uh, Wits Magic is back in it. But after that win, definitely getting a sprinkle tonight. So a 1-4 Quinella in race five. Race number six, we're going back for another triactor box uh, with one, three, and eight. Trump, um, Drizzy, and Contraband. And then number seven, two bucks left. We're just going to go two bucks to win on number five, Raga tag tag. Uh, what do you got for tonight? Okay, I got some of that one. I got uh, some of that one. Oh, we do need to address, address something too. Uh, I see that in chat, John. We'll get to that after. Um, let me bring, give you my picks as I bring myself onto the screen. Okay, I'm going race five, number two, Maybella, $10 to win. I like that one, although I see Artisan Dancer is oh, wow. a big favorite. I like Maybella. I'm pretty sure I've won on that horse before. Race six. Race six. One dollar triactor box. Trump, um, Drizzy, and shooting money. <laughs> you're I going like... shooting money. I'm going contraband. And you're right. going... We're split on that one. And race three, four dollars on this horse to win. Number three, really slow. Sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a winner. <laughs> sounds like a winner. So those are my picks. So there we have it for Cinnaboy Downs. Um, I'm looking forward to you know getting back and I won pretty good uh, the other when we were there so hopefully I can continue. 
Well, your wife was at home. Hopefully you consulted with her on the picks mm-hmm. because uh, that was who was giving you the winners the other day. All right. Of course, Cinnaboy Downs, ASDowns.com for all the information. You can watch the races on their YouTube channel if you don't make it out tonight. And if you do want to bet like we are, use the uh, HPIBet.com uh, site. You'll be able to bet on AS Downs and tracks around the world. Now, John Secula, I believe, was mentioning... He said the Jets are wanting to sign Kadri. How is that possible? I'll say this. I have no idea whether the Jets have been in talks with Kadri or whether they're trying to. I mean, in some ways, if you do think that there's a pending departure of one of your top centers, it might make sense. I don't think anyone really thought that the Jets would be a real player for Kadri services and free agency. But there was a report from uh, Mile High Hockey, I believe, that Kadri's waiting for some teams to clear space and mentioned the Islanders, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Avalanche based on Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts podcast. So I saw this. I'm like, what? This is news to me. Late Friday night, getting home from the Bomber game, I fired up, listened to the whole thing. Elliot Friedman never mentioned the Winnipeg Jets and Kadri once. So I have no idea where that came from. Uh, But the reason why we're not even mentioning it until the very end of the show is because it sounds like it is... Uh, fake news, Remo, and um, yes. I've seen nothing even close to suggesting that that is true, so we didn't spend any time on it. Yes, yeah, we didn't spend our time. I didn't even want to bring attention to this tweet. I saw it late on Friday night, uh, you know, while watching the Bonfire Sports, uh, you know, post-game bombers. Yeah, I, I don't know why this is out there. Um, again, the Elliot did not mention... The Jets in connection with Kadri. Now, I think he did say a mystery team, but there's no reason why anyone would think the Jets uh, are associated with Kadri. So I saw a lot of people reacting to this. I mean, it got 790 likes. I wish I could just put out BS fake rumors <laughs> and get close to 1,000 likes on a tweet. Wouldn't that be fun, Huss, if you could just like throw out whatever you could? Out there and well, get a lot of engagement. I mean, I mean, I guess it's possible, um, but I wouldn't really, you know, when you're doing this every single day, you would like to have at least some semblance no. of credibility. <laughs> so uh, I, w- I would, <laughs> I would go I'm, I'm that. just kidding around. I don't. Hey, I'm I, here for it. Can you imagine if all of a sudden yeah. it turned around? Oh, the Jets are getting are getting Kadri. I mean, he'd be a great addition, yeah. especially with the uncertainty about the center position the next little while. Just that I don't think that that is the plan at all. And uh, we certainly haven't heard any legitimate source linking the Jets to Kadri at any point of free agency before, during, or at this point, with the exception of that tweet, which, again, was based on the 32 Thoughts podcast, which didn't mention the Winnipeg Jets. Could have been a mistake, I'm not sure, but I understand why people were wondering about it. Uh, but as I said, if you want, go listen for yourself. The uh, last episode of 32 came out on Friday, and uh, they didn't say that. I'm here for all rumors. I love rumors. We've seen what it does to our viewership numbers when Elliot mentions yeah. <laughs> the Jets. But I'm here for rumors from, um, you know, their trusted hockey insiders, and that that wasn't one of them. So I was going to respond to it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to we addressed it people came people did come in throughout the show and, and were asking us but people asked me on the weekend too but it just it didn't make any sense linking the jets and kaji there's no there's no connection there no it uh they didn't at all uh, like, anyways what a so i was gonna say situation. Like, if they got rid of dubois and like had a spot yeah like maybe but to suggest that what the jets are in on it now by a non-hockey insider i didn't understand 
No, exactly. And don't hold your breath for Naz Kadri to be a winner. There's no Kadri watch. Soon, Someone asked us, no. I think Mitch, is there going to be No, we are, we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're on Dubois watch. Yeah, we've got a lot of things to watch right now. We're we're not adding Kadri to the list of watches on Winnipeg Sports Talk right now. I think we may have some severe thunderstorm watches coming up tonight and over the course of the next uh, 36 hours or so. Saw a crazy environment Canada note that in some areas in southern Manitoba could get from 25 to 150 millimeters, and they're already warning that there could be some overland uh, overland flooding. Um, so anyways, keep your head up uh, on all of that over the course of the next uh, next couple days. Uh, but thanks again to everyone for jumping in today. We got to get the podcast up because I know there'll be a lot of audio listeners that want to get this and get the latest on it. Um, record-breaking day for us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to everyone that has joined us. Make sure you're back here tomorrow. We'll have much more on this uh, Jets um, situation with Pierre-Luc Dubois. We'll find out whether the team did decide to go for arbitration themselves as we talked about with Mike McIntyre. That deadline's later on this afternoon. Jeff Hamilton will join us amongst other guests as well. Thanks to everyone with us in the chat today. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here live on YouTube and in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon on WST. Stay cool, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.